What's up, everybody? It's Lee, otherwise known as Intuition, and you're tuned into Kinda Neat. Thank you guys for tuning in. We appreciate it. I'm going to get all the stuff out of the way in the beginning, you know. If you're listening on an iTunes thing, just press fast forward for 15 seconds or 30 seconds. Anyways, yeah, subscribe to us on iTunes. I appreciate all the comments and five-star reviews on the iTunes ratings. Man, you guys are sweethearts for doing that. It's so appreciated. And uh, you can follow us on Twitter at That's Kinda Neat, and you can follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. My man, Ben Shim behind the boards. You can follow him at I am database. You can check out the YouTube channel, youtube.com slash that's kind of neat. And uh, of course, you can always find everything on kind of neat.net. That being said, by the time this one comes out, I will be on my way to Alaska, heading home for two weeks, and uh, I'll be there the first two weeks of June, basically. Excited to go home, but you know, going home is always a bit somber. As you guys know, if you follow, my father has Alzheimer's disease, so that's happening. And my mom has to go out of town for two weeks for business stuff, and then she has to come down to California. After going to Vegas for a conference for elementary school counseling stuff, she has to come out to California to visit with my grandmother, and they're also doing some somber shit, which is like, you know, my grandmother, she's still in good health, and her husband, my step grandfather is in good health as well they're both getting up in the years though and so she's coming down here to help like arrange like cremation arrangements and shit so that's some real morbid shit that she's going to be handling down here and then while she's gone my dad's kind of progressed to the point where he uh can't really be by himself too long like you know if she was gone for two weeks he'd be fucked because he can't drive anymore and stuff like that so i have to basically like go up there and just you know make sure to hold down the fort while she's gone you know it's crazy like dealing with your parents getting older is some really weird shit because i still feel like a young guy you know my parents aren't even 60 yet but you know it's like dealing with like old people shit already. And it's crazy. Cause I don't even think 60 is that old now. Like my dad went in to get a bunch of blood work done and some weird shit came up with like, uh, some levels. And so they needed to like take a biopsy of his prostate or something. Cause they thought he might have prostate cancer and they were like getting the results yesterday. So I talked to my mom at like, three and I'm like, Oh, Hey, how did it go? You know? And she's like, Oh, we're just on the way to the doctor. Now I'll call you afterwards and let you know how it went. So you know, time goes by and time goes by and I'm thinking about it in the back of my head and like three hours passed and then four hours passed and finally it was like nine o'clock my time, six hours later and she had never called so I call back and she doesn't answer her cell phone and my mom is the type, well, she drops everything to answer her cell phone so I'm going, oh shit, like what the fuck, like maybe she's in her room sobbing tears because my dad has fucking prostate cancer on top of everything now and so I called the house phone my dad answers and I'm like, Hey dad, what's up? It's Lee, you know, da, 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 da. How are you? And he's like, Oh, I'm good. You know? And I was like, well, how was the doctor? Did you hear any bad news? Or is it, she goes, Oh no, everything's fine for now. But you know, sometimes he can't be trusted with that sort of stuff. Cause if you ask him about Alzheimer's when he goes there, he's like, Oh, nothing's wrong with me. You know, he's like, it's like that kind of thing. So he gives the phone to my mom. She says, Oh no, sorry. I just forgot to call back. My cousin Frank called and we've been on the phone for two hours. And I said, Jesus fucking Christ, mom, you leave me hanging for six hours hours and here i'm thinking that you're like moping in your room or something because we found out bad news like you got to be more on top of that you know so anyway that's uh 
that's something that happened yesterday and that's it, that's probably a ridiculously somber story but anyways so as of now you guys are listening i'm in alaska there's still snow on the ground apparently that sucks and so i'll probably be dealing with that while i'm home it's fucking june you're not supposed to have snow on the ground that's crazy anyway today on the show we have a good buddy of mine named adam weiss now we had a podcast with cadillac ron where he delved pretty deep into you know drug issues and addiction and, and this one kind of has a a similar tone it, it gets dark it's funny you know ron kind of talked about his opiate um habits and adam talks a lot about he had a lot of um, issues with uppers uh, particularly methamphetamine and, it, and it's funny when you listen to the two podcasts maybe you'll notice like you can kind of tell by their demeanors which drug they would have been into because adam has been clean and sober now for four years but he still talks really fast and like when you hear cadillac ron talk he talks really slow and relaxed and it's like those are definitely signs of of whichever one they were into but adam has a really triumphant story uh, and so i thought i think it's really inspirational and great and he feels like um his former life with addiction is is almost like he can't believe it's the same lifetime and having known him now for a few years probably four years it's easy to to understand why he feels that way right now him on everything the company that he started with his friend um romo who's in the next episode they have started a very successful essentially all-encompassing entertainment company they make a lot of their money throwing warehouse parties that are super cracking i've talked about them in the past on the show which is why i wanted to have them on but they also they they have um they make money with music. They make money DJing. They make money selling T-shirts and hats and apparel and all this crazy shit. They've got their hands dabbled into a little bit of everything. And so um, with this episode, this is kind of a pseudo two-parter. With this episode, I, I just talked to Adam and we talk a lot about kind of his past and then how Ham on Everything kind of started. And then in the next episode, we kind of talk um, with Romo more about the specifics of the business and more about the specifics of how it started and really what goes into throwing a party and, and the different um, hurdles that they have to jump through with that. So yeah, but this episode is with Adam. Adam has a really interesting story. I think you guys are going to be entertained. I know I was. I learned a shitload about him that I didn't know. And so without further ado, here is my conversation with Adam Weiss of Ham on Everything. Who are you? Hi, I'm Adam Weiss. I throw parties called Ham on Everything. Yeah. What else do you do? You do a lot of stuff. You guys have a clothing brand? Yeah. Ham on Everything, we throw parties, mainly like underground warehouse parties. And we have a clothing brand. We have two t-shirts and a couple of hats. Oh, I could have sworn you guys have more t-shirts. Than We're going to have more. We have a bunch of ideas. But like the party funds the clothing brand. It's hard. We're doing everything DIY. Yeah. But we have so many clothing ideas, so many shirt ideas, we just can't afford to do everything. Are you guys looking for investors and stuff? Uh, I'm not looking for investors. That'd be tight. If someone heard this podcast and was like, you know what? This seems really promising. I'm going to invest into them. That'd be tight. So, like, where are you from originally? That's a weird question always, because I was born in Chicago, but we moved out of Chicago when I was one years old. Yeah. Why were you born in Chicago? What were your folks doing out there? They're all from Chicago. Uh, all my family, my folks, my grandparents, aunts, uncles, cousins, everyone's from Chicago. So did you go visit Chicago a lot as a kid? For funerals. That's kind of how it was visiting. When I would go like back east, it was just for funerals yeah. or like family reunion stuff. Yeah. I'd eat pizza while we were there. And we're Jews, so we eat Chinese food. Oh. Like, were you a very practicing Jew? Nah. No Jews are. Only Jews that are practicing Jews are the ones with the, with the uh, what do they call those? Orthodox Jews? Yeah. The ones with the beards and the sideburns. Those are all, all other Jews. That's why uh, temples have retracting walls, because Jews only go to temple twice a year. <laughs> 
Jews aren't very religious people. Yeah, so you're just most of them honestly don't even believe in God. Just Jewish by culture. Jewish by culture. But I think if you're like born a Christian, you don't like if you don't practice it, you yeah. don't identify with it. I think it's different for Jews. I think even if like we don't go to temple every Friday or do practice Shabbat or whatever, we still identify as Jews. Yeah, I feel you. So I identify as a Chicago Jew because there's different kinds of Jews. New York Jews and Chicago Jews are very defined. How, what are Chicago Jews then? I don't know. Just a Chicago like me. So they wear funny clothes. Nah. <laughs> no, just kidding. But they're very much in, in a, you know, my dad's a Chicago Jew. Yeah, all Chicago Jews. So how did your folks meet in Chicago? My dad used to DJ. Oh, no shit. Yeah. And I think they probably met like at a discotheque. Your dad used to DJ at discotheques? Yeah. He wasn't like a wedding DJ? He was like a real Oh, no, legit. he DJ and then he went to college in Miami and he like, his first like job out, out of that, he was like the college promotions manager for Columbia Records. Yeah. So he was in the music business like to begin with. No shit. And he was like super into DJing and um, my mom, he was DJing. Even when they first moved- Was he into like Miami bass and shit? No. He was into like, he was not like to disco and stuff. Yeah. Okay. But we yeah, had like mad records. Like that's how my first introduction to like music outside of hip hop was like he had all these records that hip hop records had sampled. And I was like, oh my God. So if Dre likes this, this must be awesome. So yeah. it was like he had like fun like parliament records and you know, other stuff like that. What age were you when you started digging through his records? Uh, probably 14, 15. Yeah. Even before that, I'd steal like the Doors records he had and pretend it was mine. Like I was cool and had a Doors record. Nice. Did your dad stay in the music industry? No. Nah. So he would like went to college for it and he was college promotions manager and like helped throw shows at the college and he was like a DJ and even in 81 when they moved from Chicago to LA he was still DJing for a little bit out here before he got seriously in the career and he just like well even in Chicago I guess he kind of started taking a turn away from music business and he opened up the first video store in Chicago the third video store in the country. No shit. Yeah. Damn, so your dad had a lot of foresight and was an early adopter with that too. Yeah, he said it was his idea first. No shit. But two people beat him to it in the country. That's funny because I feel like you have that same attitude. Like, it was my idea first. Well, me and my dad are very similar. Obviously, that's crazy. I didn't realize This video store was called That's Entertainment. It was like downtown Chicago. And back then, the big attraction with video stores was like there's always a porn theater in the back, a little porn thing in the back. Oh, where you like go put your quarters in or whatever? Yeah, I forget the name of the famous porn star, but she was good friends with my dad. Came to the video store a lot. She literally had had held me and there's pictures. I forget. She's really famous. Uh, then on HBO, she started having uh, it was blah 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 bedtime stories. Uh, what was her name? I know who you're talking. That was about. my dad's friend, and she came to the video store and helped me as. A this baby. is like explaining so much about you, uh, like porno bitches early in your life, yeah. and your dad is a promoter and a DJ. This is uh, very similar paths. What yeah. was your mom doing at the time? Uh, my mom liked to party. She's like more a hippie. Was she in college as well when they met? I don't know that my mom went to college. Uh. If she did, I don't think she finished college. So what took them from Chicago to L.A.? He had the video store in Chicago, right? Yeah, I think that closed down. Something happened. I'm not sure what happened. Uh, and uh, I guess he just like, w- there was more. But did he cake out off of it or no? Nah, not really. But I think that in the 80s, like everyone was like, California is like the place you go to. There's going to be money in California. It's like Cali or bust. Right. Yeah. So I think like, they're like, oh, we got to go to California. They just had, or they already had my brother and they had me. I was just born. They're like, let's. So they moved to California. How many brothers and sisters do you have? A brother and a sister. How much younger is your sister? Nine years. Oh, she's way younger. She's way younger. She was like an accident or what? <laughs> no, I don't know. No, 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 no. Because uh, my mom wanted a little girl. Oh, okay. So she was definitely trying for the they girl. Just tried one more she's time. probably the only one that wasn't an accident, actually. Well, my brother was adopted, so obviously he wasn't an accident. And how much older was your brother? Oh, you said he's adopted? Yeah, he's seven years older than me. He's oh, Mex- okay. He's Mexican. Oh, no shit. I didn't know that. My mom uh, moved to Mexico. She had to be there for like three months to adopt. 
Like you can't just like go there and adopt a child. Like you have to like live there for a minute. So were they not planning on having their own kids originally? Is that why they adopted? I think my my mom. I know my mom wasn't with my dad. Oh, when she first adopted, I think she's like twenty three years old, and she like, she just wanted this. to adopt a kid. Yeah. Wow, that's crazy. She's actually had a different husband at the time. Oh, that didn't okay. last very long though. Okay. Okay. So your mom moved to Mexico with her husband at the time, or what? Yeah, I'm not sure about the details. We don't talk much about that. Uh, so what was it like having a seven-year-old Mexican brother? Yeah, I didn't know. That. Like, I didn't know. Uh, did it ever become a thing later on in your life when you're like, what the hell? No, I mean, he just, I know he was adopted. My mom was adopted too. You know, oh. so like, adoption is like, I don't know, I grew up. Yeah, yeah. Adoption. Okay. So then your folks moved out to California and you guys ended up where? In the Valley? No, Westwood. And what were they doing out there? Um, I guess my mom was in an accounting and she worked for, um, New World, which did that, what's the TV show? Uh, Wonder Years. Oh, okay. So she was an accountant for the company that did Wonder Years. And then my dad, he moved out here to be vice president of marketing for, um, JP Productions, which did like other movies and TV shows. So they did the, uh, the Dwarf on Golf series. You ever see those? Oh yeah. Yeah. Dwarf. Like, yeah. yeah oh yeah. Hilarious. They used to do like the late night advertisements for yeah, Dwarf. Yeah, yeah. I forget the name of the actor cause he wasn't a dwarf. He was like literally on his knees. Yeah. He was on shoes. his knees and yeah. shoes. His, yeah. yeah. And for whatever it was a bit, my dad, like, yeah, because he was in the video business. Or first he was in the music business, DJing, and then he moved out here. Yeah, he was like was his VP of, of marketing. He's a uh, he's a marketing guy. So did he stay in the entertainment industry your whole life? For a while, he stayed in the entertainment industry, and then like uh, videos, because like video stuff started moving towards the internet. So when things got digital, that's when he moved over, and he was the uh, creator, co-founder, and president of uh, Morpheus, which is the file sharing network. It was oh, like Napster and all that. Yeah. So he moved He moved from, and I think even before that, he got involved with a company called Web Radio. So he made the move from when like video wasn't happening anymore and he saw things were going digital. He like, he's my dad's always trying to jump on the next wave before it happens. And so, he, so I can see where you get that from. Yeah. We're, I think we're so similar. That's crazy. crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. The early adopter thing just runs in the family. Yeah. So he was always kind of a, an upstarter and right. kind of entrepreneurial or what? Definitely. Yeah. That's yeah. interesting. Cause you're very much like that as well. That's yeah, crazy. Um, and it's funny growing up, you would never think I'd end up being like my father at all. Why not? I just the fuck up. When did you start fucking up? Oh, like early from the get go. What were you like as a kid? Like I remember my mom told me even in first grade, I, I like I think the first day I got sent home. For what? I don't know, being fucking distractive, I guess. Why were you like ADD or something? No, I mean I've never like I don't in the eighties you didn't like diagnose children as ADD, so I don't know. They were just assholes, right? Yeah, and I was just like yeah, I was just like uh, early on like I just wanted to be like I don't know, just bad kid early on. Like what kind of shit were you doing that was bad kids? I think what happened, I mean, even like fourth grade was the first time I like smoked a cigarette. I had this older friend who was in seventh grade. My brother was in eighth grade at the time. He was like an older friend and he like, I smoked a cigarette with him like in his uh, parents' basement and they had like guns and ammos and shit, like crazy shit. And then like, um, we would go to back then there was like newspaper boys and this was in Westwood. So we would like take a paper bag. And I would, um, we would like stuff it full of newspapers and I'd go to 7-Eleven. He like coerced me to steal. So I'd have this paper bag full of newspapers and I'd go to 7-Eleven just hella dump candy into the shit. In so the like, bag. This is fourth grade. And like, that's also when I first kissed a girl. I was just going to say like, um, you and I, we share a passion yeah. for the ladies. Yeah. I was going to ask like, when did you start getting into the girls? When I was young, I was, I was tiny. I was small. So like even back then, girls gave me a lot of attention. Like in, uh, kindergarten, whatever it was, when it was like story time, they like had me, like girls wanted me to sit on their lap. So I got attention from them very early on or like second grade when you'd have like the Valentine's day, I'd always get mad, like, you know, special cards from girls and they just always liked me. And so fourth grade is when I started, when I first kissed a girl and it became a situation where like, her friend liked me too and I'd make out with both of them and be like a game 
Really? And then, like, my friends would time me, like, see how long. And this is, like, they weren't even kissing girls yet. They, like, time to see how long I could kiss them before, like, I come up for air. You know what I mean? Yeah. And we play, like, home, whatever, like, where we, like, lay in bed. Play doctor? You ever do any of that? Yeah. And like, we'd be on the playground. I'd be making out with this girl, Brianna, and her friend. And yeah. Like, that's so funny, dude. Yeah. I was the same way. Like, I had my first girlfriend when I was in preschool. We were four. Her name was Courtney. She was a little redheaded girl. And, like, looking back, we were doing very inappropriate shit for four year olds. But right, it's like, right, we right. just saw it on TV, I feel like. So, like, we would be fucking french kissing and stuff and it's like you know i don't count that as like my first real kiss because it was like just little kids being dumb but it was the same thing i was very curious about sex very early on and you know even with the girl brianna in fourth grade like and it was more than just like even though i made it with her friend also a lot i really liked brianna and i would like steal my older brother's like love letters he would write to girls and i'd pretend as if i wrote it to her Mm-hmm. And back then, New Kids on the Block were hella popular, and she was into them. <laughs> yeah. So I would literally get these teen magazines, and I would cut out pictures of New Kids on the Block. I'd make collages, and I, like, her dad hated me, though. And I would like, because she lived in my neighborhood, so I would make these collages, and I'd leave it on her doorstep and leave. <laughs> so, like, I was romantic back then. Like, I really... <laughs> And, uh, Your fourth grade romance. I really was. Like, I'd make collages for this bitch, and it's crazy. <laughs> like, I haven't done anything like that forever. That's awesome. I don't know why her dad hated me. Like, I don't know, he probably knew I was trying to. How did that. you end up smoking your first cigarette in fourth grade? You know what? To be honest, it wasn't fourth grade. It was second grade. In second grade. So I was thinking about fourth grade because by that time with Brianna, I was already living in Tempe. So this was in Westwood. It was in second grade. So I think he must have been. And he was a year younger than my brother. So my brother, how old are you in second grade? Like, like seven, six, seven crazy yeah yeah he's just a badass kid and, or, and he just like uh and actually it's funny the time when i smoked that cigarette with him i smoked it and he's like oh my god my parents are coming home you have to we have to do mouthwash and i never had even done mouthwash them in second grade mm-hmm. so i swallowed it and he's oh. like and he's like oh my god you swallowed it he's like you have to go to the hospital i'm like holy shit i'm asking his neighbors for like second opinions like i was really worried <laughs> That was crazy. <laughs> oh, shit. So then by fourth grade, were you already just like doing whatever the oh, fuck? Oh, even in second grade, I'd steal, and it's crazy, I'd steal books from the book fair at my school. I remember I, I found like, because there's a book fair. You, yeah, I remember the book fair for and sure. So I would know, You'd get like I the know, choose your own adventure right, books. So I know I'd take the books and I'd slide them off this table and I'd come back after the class and I'd pick them up from the other side of this table. I was stealing fucking books. <laughs> At least that's like productive. Yeah. Stealing books is like. I don't even know that life. I read these books. I think I was just like the act of stealing them. Yeah. So where did that come from? Like, why did you have this inkling inside know. you to be a badass? I don't know. That's so strange. I, I mean, know. was it middle child syndrome? You didn't have a little sister by Not then. Yet. You were just the youngest child. Right. And I just wanted, and even show off, I, was, I just went with Romo the other day to my old house where I, we lived yeah, in the yeah. 80s in Westwood. After we had lunch the other yeah. day. And uh, my elementary school is right across the street. I remember I had, I had my brother like skateboarded. He was in seventh grade. You know, I was in second. Yeah. And he skateboarded, so I would try to skateboard. So I remember I'd run home across the street, and I'd grab my skateboard, and I'd, like, and I'd go to the front of my house and like pretend to do tricks or whatever. So when the kids, other kids coming out of school like see me like, oh, here's this fucking cool kid. Being a badass. Being a badass skateboarding. Yeah, you have a definitive like desire for attention, I think. Yeah. Oh, well, back then also, I feel like I didn't want to be me. Why? What did you want to be? I don't know. Like, I think... And fourth grade is when I first heard, because back then I listened to like my, bro- my brother's tapes. He was like Metallica and Guns N' Roses and Cinderella and like Rat and those bands. And I liked that. And then in fourth grade is when I heard my first rap tape. Yeah. It's BC Boys Licensed to Ill. Yeah, and same. that's when like I identified with it. And I was like, oh, this is my shit. Like rap music's my shit. Yeah. My friend Josh and I used to steal that same tape from his older brother and listen to it in fourth grade. Right. Like, it's a very similar memory. Yeah. My brother had the cassette. And it's funny because that wasn't his kind of music, you know, but I think rock kids liked it. It crossed Boys. over because it was kind of, they were right. had a punk rock attitude. 
attitude and right. all the beats were like guitar riffs. Right. But after that, I just started discovering hip hop for, for myself. And like, I think by sixth grade, I was really immersed in like gangster rap. Yeah. And so that's who I wanted to be. Did like, you start with like, when we were in fourth grade, it was like, we're aging ourselves, but it's like MC Hammer and Vanilla Ice both dropped that same year. Were you into that shit? Yeah. My first concert was, was MC Hammer. I did like MC Hammer. Um, I liked Vanilla Ice, and that was like fourth, fifth grade. By sixth grade, though, it's I that's was, when NWA dropped. Yeah, and I was into that, and like when Snow came out, everyone was into Snow. Oh yeah. By that point, I wasn't into like some pop shit. I was like about gangster. Oh, man. we were all about Snow. See, dude. Not, by in that point, all my friends I'm, were, but I was like, nah, shit is whack. Like I'm in an easy does it. Like you know, like I like you were on that next shit. I was on the gangster rap heavy, and yeah. I like identified with it, and it's like, oh, I want to be this. Like I don't want to be a Jewish kid from a suburb, from like a middle class. So family. is that a theme in your life? Yeah. Not wanting to be yourself. Yeah. Why? I mean, I think that's where my drug abuse which we'll probably talk about yeah. it comes from it's I mean it's not I don't know maybe I hated myself for some reason like did you hate your appearance what did you hate I don't know it's like I don't who knows I think and I hear from like other people that were addicted to drugs it's like a reoccurring theme we just want to be someone you're not that's why you end up using drugs it's like an escape from you and I think at first before drugs rap music was like oh this like character I'm like you know I'm so warped by like these images of like this gangster shit I'm like this is what I want to be like I don't want to be this Jewish kid from uh, a middle class home like i want to be easy that's so easy. interesting because i don't know if you listen to the cadillac ron one that we did but he's literally said almost the same thing he you said you know i was living in highland park and as young as like third or fourth grade i would look at myself in the mirror and i thought i was ugly you know he would say that he hated how he looked physically you know what i mean and that was something where he that he wanted to escape i from. think mine was probably more internally because like i was always been delusional how i look i'd be like in your mind, you are the best looking motherfucker right. at any given I mean, time. I remember I had this one shirt. I forget the Z Cavalier or whatever. Yeah. It was like fifth grade. And I'd be like, I look like uh, Luke Perry from motherfucking 90210 right now. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I look good. So I'm always like, and I like, yeah, but I think eternally, but even then that's probably me like, oh, I like this guy. It's me not wanting to be me. Yeah. Oh, I identify with this person who's getting bitches on Beverly Hills 90210. He's a bad, he's the bad guy in Beverly Hills 90210. He's like the bad kid. Yeah. yeah. I always identify with this. Even after gangster rap, I started identifying, uh, being really interested in ma mafia. Uh, like, you know, I've always. Yeah. What was the first drug you tried? Weed. And it's funny because in sixth grade, like we'd rap and stuff and write raps. And I, um, my friends were hella anti drug. And I was already in like, I was already hella curious about it. Yeah. I remember, like, I bit a rhyme. I bit the um, Ghetto Boys, the Bushwick Bill Midget song. I act like I wrote, read my homie, hey, this is rhyme I wrote to my homies. And it mentioned something about crack. And they're like, yo, that's crack. Why are you talking about crack? Ugh, you know? Yeah. But I was already interested. So I think probably seventh or eighth grade i met this other dude john he was like a bad kid but he was like not he's like more like a rock and roller kind of kid uh -huh. and uh we ended up like i think he stole weed from his parents and we fucking went after school to my house and we smoked it like out of tinfoil and that was what seventh grade seventh grade and then did it become an everyday occurrence i think in eighth grade i did it sometimes i remember i had a birthday party and we like stole my parents alcohol mm -hmm. and i drank some but then i think at so it was weed first, then alcohol? Weed, alcohol. I mean, it was pretty casual, but then by ninth grade, it was like I was getting fucked up. Like on by, what? Ninth, by ninth grade, I was like smoking weed every day. I like got dropped from hella classes because I would just like leave for lunch. I'd sneak out to go. Like my routine in ninth grade was I'd leave ho my house early and me and the homies. And sometimes I like my mom drank heavily back then. Yeah. So I'd steal her alcohol and I'd just mix all these different alcohols. I'd take a little bit from each bottle and I'd mix it into a water bottle. And mm -hmm. I'd drink this motherfucker straight on the way to school. Mm -hmm. And then we'd meet at the church behind the school. And we'd like go behind this wall of the church and me and my boys would maybe blaze it up. 
we'd smoke, and then we'd go to class. Sometimes the bell would ring, and we're like, oh, we should probably get to class. And uh, where I went to high school in Arizona, this is Arizona now. Yeah, when did you guys move from Westwood to Arizona? Uh, I was like in sixth grade. Why? Folks yeah. for work? Yeah, it works. And uh, yeah, so I was just like, and at that school in Arizona, if you miss, if you're really late to class, you go to a thing called Sweep. It's like a detention where like, you can, if you're late to class, you have to go to this. Mm-hmm. And we go there on purpose. That's where all the all the kids I like to get fucked up would go. Yeah. And after like eight unexcused absences from a class or I think six unexcused absences, but eight sweeps, you get dropped automatic F. So this would happen to me a lot. So I'd go, I'd miss first period because I'm smoking. I'd leave for lunch and sometimes I would not come back. Huh. You know, I'm just out. Did you graduate high. high school? Nah, I dropped out. Oh, what age did you drop out? Senior year. Like I went through my senior year. There was just no hope of graduating on time. Yeah. My, my counselor was like, look, only way to graduate on time is you're going to have to do night classes. You're going to have to do correspondence classes online or you're going to be 18 soon. You should just drop out and get your GED and at 18 go to community college. Mm. I was like, all right. So is that what you did? Kind of. What do you mean kind of? By this point, I'm like heavy into drugs. So I went to take the GED. Well, then let's go back a little all bit right, then. Because so I, I, I want to know like what was the first hard um, drug you tried. Right, so ninth grade, I'm, I'm – I'm, Remember, I'm a wannabe gangster up until this point. So in ninth right. grade, I met real gangsters. Yeah. So at this point, I'm just like hella smoking weed. I'm drinking. Every weekend, I go to this dude's house where like all these gangster dudes hang out. I get like a 40. What kind of gangsters are they? Like, you know, in t- you're in Tucson, you said? No, nah, I'm in, in Phoenix. Phoenix. What kind of gangbangers were out there? Cri- cri- oh, everything's out there. Crips, Blood, Serenos, N- N- Daniels. There's even dudes claiming Latin Kings. Like there's gangs like in Arizona. And uh-huh. never people, gangs are claiming certain, there's always claiming blocks that aren't in arizona oh okay like is la people claim in la gangs in in arizona okay so we hang out at the bowling alley while the gangsters hung out and i like so i started really hanging out with gangsters and i would like uh every weekend i go to this dude steve's house and i would drink a 40 of st eyes and then two of the special brew st eyes uh-huh. which is like their version of like a mixed drink or uh-huh. their like flavorful drink which got you fucked up uh-huh. so i get fucked up i chill with them and then a lot of those homies like the cholo homies and stuff they're already doing meth uh-huh. and i was like ah, oh, just whack and i had a big homie who i'd met um previously like in seventh grade because his his aunt and uncle lived next door to my, my family uh-huh. so he kind of lived in the hood but like he would be there so he's like my big homie and he was not about drugs, you know? So he was like, oh, don't ever fuck with meth, bro. If I find out you fuck with meth, I'm like, oh, yeah, I'm all, that shit's whack. And so I wasn't about it. All the homies were. And then at one party, I was like in the backyard. I'm hella drunk. And I'm like fucking with some bitches and shit. And then all like the tweaker homies go to the garage to go smoke meth. And they come out and they're like, they're looking happy. They're looking high. And I was like, I was drunk. And I told the homie, his name is Bean. And I was like, he always had meth. And I was like, bro, I was like, I, was like, I want to fucking get high right now on that shit. Like, I want to try that shit. Yeah. And he's like, all right, man, one minute. And he never came back to like get me high. And I for- forgot about it. I was drunk. Uh-huh. The next weekend, I'm at a party at the dude Steve's house we used to always go to and get fucked up at. And Bean comes up, Bean the Fiend. Bean comes up and Bean's like, yo, man, you know, come over here. So I go around the house. I'm like, what's good, dude? And he's like, here, man, you want to hit this? Mm-hmm. And it's a, it's a meth pipe with mm-hmm. meth in it. And he mm-hmm. like teaches me how to hit it. I hit it. I fucking feel like incredible fucking Hulk. Like the first hit, I'm feeling crazy. Like my body's tingling. I'm feeling in fucking invincible. Did you say incredible hope? Incredible Hulk. Oh, Incredible Hulk. Yeah, I'm feeling okay. like the Hulk. The Hulk, yeah. I'm feeling crazy. Uh-huh. And I hit it, and like, it's other gangster homies there too, and I'm like, and I'm like, you know, gangster homies, like, they're not good friends. Like, they want to hit you if they can. So I'm like, I'm fucking feeling pumped up. I think I might have hit myself, and I'm like, yo, fucking hit me. I'm telling the homies to hit me. Yeah. And that gets too seriously where they're really socking on me, and, and like, uh, I think I fell down, someone kicked me off, came up, and I swung, and I was just like, fucked up. I just like felt good. The getting hit felt good, and I was like, I was so juiced. And then like, someone, my big homie T was there, and someone told him, T, tiny. 
Danny. That was the big homie. It was like my cousin. Yeah. Someone had told him. And so when I was walking back to the front door, he was walking out the front door and he knew he looked pissed. He picked me up and fucking threw me down, you know? Like he was pissed that it happened. And I left with some other like tweaker bitch and fucked this tweaker bitch. Like it was crazy. And this was in what? Ninth grade? Tenth grade. Tenth grade. This wow. is tenth grade now. Tenth grade for most people, I think sex and drugs are like a big deal still. And you talk about it with such, well, it's like so casual, you know? Oh, these are all, and I have all older dudes, like all these older gangster dudes. Yeah. So like that uh, house I went to, that, like, so it that was wasn't, all older dudes. It wasn't like you lost your virginity on meth. You were already dealing with sex. Oh, yeah. I lost my virginity in eighth, in eighth grade. Oh, wow. To a high school girl. Wow. How did you meet her? Probably the mall. Like, me and my boys, we'd call it Mac, and we'd go to the mall, and, like, we'd Mac, and, like, me and this dude, Zach, and we'd, like, have a contest who get more numbers. So I probably yeah. met this bitch at the mall. Yeah. And I knew this older dude who was in 10th grade named Eric, this black dude, Eric. And he was like, and I was like, yeah, I'm, I got this high school girl. Like, she's my girlfriend now. And he's like, hey, he's like, you want that bitch to be in love with you? I'm like, yeah, man. He's like, yo, you want her to, to rip the wallpaper off your wall? I'm like, yeah. He's like, look, bro. He's like, they say don't eat the pussy. Because back then, if you remember, like, in the early 90s, yeah. everyone's like, don't eat pussy, don't eat pussy. Yeah. Now it's pretty, like, people eat pussy. You know, it's like, no. <laughs> but back then, it was like, easy, he said, don't eat pussy. He's like, yo, they might say don't eat pussy. He's like, nah, eat the pussy. <laughs> And so, I was like, all right. So I'd eat this girl's pussy all the time, this high school girl's pussy. And that became where, where she kept pressuring me to like have sex with her. Yeah. So eventually I gave you know, it, like, And you're a 13-year-old kid, 12-year-old kid. Like, were you – we, we, we used to call it VSOP. Were you, were you very scared of pussy at the time? That's a new world to get into. Yeah, I was scared. I didn't want to have sex with her. I wanted to just eat her pussy a bunch. Yeah. But she wanted sex. And so then what? what and she would manipulate me. She'd be like, well, like, act like other dudes were interested. And I'd be like, feel this jealousy. I don't even know what I had. And 13 years old, I don't know how I handle a jealousy. How old was she when you she, say high school? Like, was she in ninth grade, 10th grade? She was in ninth grade. Ninth grade. So she was 14, you were 13. Yeah, yeah. And so she wanted to have sex. Was she a virgin at the time, too? Who knows? She was pretty fucked up. She came from a fucked up family. Like, what kind of fucked up? Uh, I don't know all the details, but she was fucked. Like she had told me, she was like, "Do you find like fucked up people appealing?" Kind of, yeah, yeah. All you, the girls you're, I fucked you're, you're yeah, attracted yeah. to other yeah. fucked up people. And she would fuck me up hard back then. She like be on the phone and act depressed and say she's gonna kill herself. And I don't know the time that something some girl say for attention. I'm like, oh my god, I'm crying to my older brother. Like she's gonna kill herself. Yeah, you know, like yeah. I believed it. She didn't. Wow, obviously. that's crazy. And yeah. so she just was manipulating the fuck out of my little mind you know and so at the time you said your mom was drinking heavily too you're like i know this from previous conversations now your mom is clean and sober yeah, my mom's been sober for 11 years she was an alcoholic back then it was a problem oh yeah like uh you know she would there'd be times like in sixth seventh eighth grade where i'm like waiting for her to pick me up from school she doesn't come because she's drunk to pass on the couch like my teachers had to get me right home before wow and i get home and i didn't have a key to my house and i look through the window i could see that she's passed out on the couch my dad doesn't get home from work till six so i'm just like stuck in my backyard what would your dad say about it were they fighting all the time are they still together yeah they're still together oh what was that I, situation my, thing, my like? dad was so wrapped up in work he'd like, escape with his work so dad was a workaholic and mom was an alcoholic right that's an interesting combination right, right, so right. it's almost like all the problems just kind of get ignored in one way or another and it's funny because my mom was telling me the other day like when my dad was djing she was like because my mom's always been to drinking she was like, i never did like drugs until i met your father because mm. like and he was djing he was super into doing drugs coke this acid all this stuff and so my mom was like when they moved to era when they moved to california my dad decided like all right i'm gonna really focus on being a businessman he wasn't an addict so he was able just to quit right he just stopped and my that mom was just a supplementary uh, right. thing and my for mom, his lifestyle and my mom was like well i lost my fucking i lost my drinking partner you know what i mean like uh, you know he so just she, wasn't so that made party. her even more depressed right she's like i lost like because he was my drinking partner you know was she still holding down a job at the time though 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, it was like in the 80s. It's like very uh, cliche. You know, she worked downtown in downtown L.A. And it was like, you know, the the lady, the ladies that work downtown L.A., they go, you know, to wherever, you know, bar during their happy hour for lunch. They get drunk. And she's going back to work blacked out, you know? Yeah. Wow. But I think that's like very um, like eight, a cliche of the 80s downtown L.A. like scene. Huh. You no know? shit. So then you lose your virginity to this, this older girl. And then two years later... You hit the meth pipe oh, yeah. for the first oh, yeah. time, and like you know, when and uh, all so had you already you had already had sex with other women, right? After and this. I was already putting people on a game. Like when that tenth grader Eric was putting me on about eating pussy, yeah. I'd uh, recycle all this information. I'd spit it back to my young my homies that are my age, and yeah. be like, as if it was my like I know, yeah. Oh, uh, homie, you want to fall in love with you? Yeah, you yeah, wanted to rip pussy. the wallpaper, you off? know? Like so, I was I was like I was always one. I was schooling all my homies, and they're like, damn, Adam really got it together. What do you think it was about you that the older kids? took an interest in you and took you under their wing i don't know like even um i remember they would say like so i was doing you know hit the meth the first time uh 10th grade i hang out being the fiend he wasn't a gangster he went to my school he's a white kid mm -hmm. but like he started really like i'd go to his house and he'd like teach me how to hit the meth pipe if i got a good hit he'd like pat me on my back he was older than me wow so he pat me on my back like oh good job you know like you you know how to hit that pipe good you know so i took pride in it and i was like oh fuck yeah dude you know like and i like the approval of this older kid you know and then through him, we end up meeting, um, like through one meth dealer we went to, we met this guy named Wapo. Uh, Wapo was like a, a glass dealer. Because back then we did crank. Crank's like dirty meth. Glass is like the pure, the clean shit. So we met this dude at Mikey, the, or one of the dudes we bought crank from. He was like staying there for a second. He was like, we called him the glass man at first. Like he had the bomb glass. And he wasn't a, in a gang, but he was super affiliated. But he was more like crazy and dangerous than any of the gang bangers I knew. Like, he had more guns. Like, he was crazy. And Wapo took such a liking to me. And he was probably, you know, seven, eight years older than me. You know, he was older than my brother, for sure. And he was like, he took such a liking to me. And he really took me under his wing. And I, I rolled with Wapo. And I stopped hanging out with these with these uh, gangbanger dudes. And it's funny because uh, I went to a school, like a suburb school, you know, in the suburbs. So I had problems with the jocks. I, I dressed like I was in a gang, you know, so they'd fuck with me. And before when I, like, I had the gangster homies, they kind of come a little bit and help me out. When it was a Wapo and those fools fuck me, he'd come into the senior parking lot after school and he pulled guns on people. Wow. You know, like I wasn't no one fucking. How with me did no you more. not end up like officially in a gang? Well, Wapo, that scene, he's not a gangster. No, I know, but when you're hanging with the gangbangers oh, and they're like know. they're like beating you up at parties, like how did you not get jumped in? No, no, it just wasn't like that. I don't know. I still and I claimed like I was in the gang, like uh, I was, you know, I yeah. pretend I was in, in in that gang and like and my name was Little Casper and like the bigger homie was Mr. Casper, this other dude who I got the name from. Yeah. And he was like he was he was uh, you know, from Southside or Sereno. Wow. And yeah, and like um I was hung with those dudes. But yeah, when I started hanging out with Wapo and them, which is also when I was in 10th grade, because the 9th grade is really with these gangster dudes. And in 10th grade, I hung out with these dudes. Like, we stayed in hotels. There was hella guns, hella, hella drugs being dealt. And I was like the youngest dude kicking it there. And he and he told me I'm like his little brother. And, and I'd see him. He'd punk everybody. Like, that dude Bean, he punked Bean. I remember one time, Bean was acting stupid. He told him in the hotel room, he's like, hey, turn your fucking back towards the wall and lay on the bed and don't fucking look at us while we smoke now. Wow. You know, in this, like, he, I seen him smack other motherfuckers. Like, and he was always like, he loved me. And his but he never, he never punked you. Yeah, and his girlfriend was closer to my age, and she'd be like, "Man, Wapo loves you," you know, like right. Uh, but I've talked to you previously about this as well about like why, uh, like you know, like womanizing is still a part of your life a little bit, right. not to like dry 
snitch on you or, right, or whatever. Right, right. But like, I used to go to a shrink, you know what I'm saying? And like, you know, I would tell her like, yeah, I fucking sleep with a lot of chicks for no fucking reason. And oftentimes I feel guilty afterwards. And she's like, you know, you're seeking validation. Do you feel like you were seeking validation from these guys? Oh yeah. And that's what they liked me. Cause I was like so down to be accepted by them. Like I do whatever the fuck they want. Like I do crazy shit for them. Yeah. Like I would do whatever I need to do. And they'd be like, yo, Adam's so down. He's down to just go in there and do this and do this. Like he's down to go in the store and grab that right now. Like, and you love the fact that they were proud of you for that. Yeah. yeah. From the outside looking in, it seems like that ties into like both of your parents being aholics, whether it be workaholic, alcoholic, like maybe they were too busy for you or something. Right. Was, that, was that part of the case? Oh yeah. Like, did sure. they know what you were getting into at the time? Did they care? No, they didn't really know. Mm. I know my mom, uh, she might've known a little bit and she like, um, I mean in ninth grade I got suspended for having a weed pipe. Mm-hmm. So they knew like there was some drug shit happening, you know, and, they, and they, my dad smokes weed. Was it a so. weed pipe or was it a, it was a weed pipe? Oh, okay. And like my dad smokes weed and like they found out, you know, they, he noticed when I stole weed from him. My mom noticed when I just stole her alcohol. Mm-hmm. Then I remember one time she asked me, like I came home hella late all fucked up and she's like, are you on, are you in that tweed? Tweed? That's what she called it. She was meant tweak? Yeah. And what did you say? No, no, I was, I told her, um, we actually wake like, for some reason. It was so weird. I think like I came home like 12 or something like that. AM, like we went to the grocery store and I'm like, no, I was drinking this jolt soda. And I went and grabbed the jolt soda to show her how much caffeine was in it. Oh yeah. Yeah. So you're hanging with WAPO in 10th grade. And then how long does that relationship continue? Did it ever go sour? Uh, no, nah, he ended up in prison, but like, yeah, I don't know. It was crazy. It's like, I hung out with WAPO, I hung with this whole new crew. And this is like when I got even worse shit. And it's funny because remember I told you in uh, seventh, eighth grade? Yeah. I'd hang out a lot with this guy Steve's house. Yeah. Like, we all get fucked up. Well, this guy in that neighborhood in Arizona where I lived, Nick Pappas, he got murdered. And he had wow. moved there from Detroit and he was like a GD and he got killed with like assault rifles. Wow. And he was friends with that group I hung out with. And so they started a new, like a gang in memory of him called SAH, Sick Ass Homies. Uh-huh. And somehow, like, there ended up being, like, bad blood between, like, the dudes that Wapple were hanging out with and sick-ass homies. So I ended up having, like, beef with the dudes that I used to hang out with, like, a year prior. Wow. And I remember at one point, because I ended up getting busted in 10th grade also for credit card fraud and forgery. How did you get into that? Well, all these homies, all these tweaker homies were, like, were getting, like, getting, like, TV screens and all this shit doing, like, credit card fraud. And I didn't know anything about anything. And I, I was with that dude being the fiend. And we were both had went to uh, summer school after 10th grade for – um PE gym of all things and like he'd pick me up in his, in his car and have a car you know he'd pick me up and we'd like smoke meth before summer class you know and then there was a room where everyone locked like their purses and bags and shit uh, and so he's like yo let's go up in here and let's just, you know go through the purses I'm like yeah I'm about it so I'm just grabbing money and he's grabbing credit cards and shit wow. and then so he coerced me he like manipulated me into um going into this auto sound place yeah. and pretending as if I'm this rich kid from Scottsdale, Arizona. My mom gave me her credit card to, to go buy a sound system for my 16th birthday or something. Wow. Like that. So like, he came with me as like my buddy, but I did everything. I signed the credit card shit and he got the system and I think he sold it. I don't know how much he sold it for. All I got it was free dope out of it. Free meth. Wow. And I probably got ripped off out of it. And then so were so, you smoking meth every day at this point? Oh yeah. Wow. I don't know that much about methamphetamine. Like, how long does that high last? Like, is it oh. something where when you're coming down, you instantly want more? Yeah, I feel like when you're a smoker too, you're just smoking, 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 smoking. Like you can just all smoke, day, all, all night, you just smoking, smoking. How many smoking. days would you be awake at a time, or was it like oh, could you sleep on it? That's why I went so long with it because I would still sleep on it, I'd still eat on it because all the older homies wop on them, they'd eat, they'd sleep on it, so I'd take note from that, and I'm just like. So I was like, yo, I ain't got a problem. Have you ever looked into like adult ADD shit? Because you know, like with ADD, you take uppers to calm you down. Oh, I wasn't calmed down though. I was fucking high as fuck on that. Yeah. 
Okay. <laughs> like I was crazy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, I'm just amazed that you could sleep on it because I've never. I think you just I don't like, hear about that. I think that. it's like a mental manipulation thing. Like, because they would like get high and they would get Jack in the Box. There's one hotel we stayed at a lot, and the Jack in the Box right there, and they'd all eat it. I'm like, well, if the big homies are doing it, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna eat too right now. You yeah. know, I'm not hungry. And you force yourself, and I think it's just like a habit. And uh, this would, you know, hurt me because like years later, I'd be like, I'm not an addict because I sleep and I do this, and uh. I only smoke when there's bitches there. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. so I have all these excuses. Yeah. So like I did all this credit card shit and it was all fucked up. But everyone, I was how'd you get caught? I'm always very likable. No one told on me. But then someone told on being the fiend. They're like, yo, I saw him going through the purses and shit. And so the word, word he snitch you out. Yeah, word was out that the cops were looking for him. Mm. So he hit out in Wapo's hotel rooms. One night when I wasn't at Wapo's hotel room, I heard it got raided. And I was like, yo, Beans disappeared. I haven't heard from Bean in like three days. And I'm getting nervous because I know there's like heat about the stolen shit. And I'm like, fuck. And then like three days later, I get a phone call at my house and I answer it. And, he's like, and it's him. I'm like, yo, where the fuck you been? He's like, yo, man, they know everything, bro. The cops know everything. I'm here right now at the police station. They know everything, bro. You know, da, da. I'm like, what? I'm like, I'm like, that's not funny, bro. Don't joke around. And next thing I know, this guy gets on the phone and goes, he goes, yeah, this is Detective Richard Ng. I remember his name. This is, this is Detective Richard Ng with the Phoenix Police Department. You know, we know what you did. You know, just admit to it. And I'm young. I'm 15 years old. I admitted to everything right there oh, shit. and he was like i need you to come down to the police station tomorrow morning you know we just need to talk about it and at this point i think my parents saw something that's happening and my dad picked up the phone and my dad's like no he's not going to no police station he got you a lawyer got me a lawyer i'm not going to no fucking police station because at that point i self-incriminated myself yeah. i went to the police station i'm going to jail right you didn't get read your rights or anything like that so no nah. so we got a lawyer and i ended up going to court for it and i tried to play it off for like because i saw the police report i saw he ratted on me yeah like my lawyer showed me this dude's ratted on you said you did everything yeah so i made like oh he's the older kid he got me addicted to drugs he fucking had me doing this he told me to do this i didn't get nothing out of it but some dope i did this this is fueled by drugs was that your first experience with rehab afterwards or no nah, i didn't get no rehab i just got probation really yeah that's crazy even though you told him like he got you addicted to drugs they didn't say you need to go to rehab no, I just, he like, that's like some 2000 shit that ain't some 90 shit huh nah, having yeah. to go to rehab yeah, yeah, yeah. You, in the 90s you have to go to rehab you know what I'm saying so now just, it's like you make a racist comment on TMZ and you have to go to rehab <laughs> so I just got probation in it so when that happened I was like that was scared because everyone's like you're gonna go to prison credit card fraud credit card fraud you're going to prison yeah. so I was scared so I try to not hang out with WAP on them anymore I try not to do meth no more I'm gonna go hang out with my, my homies that are like doing, going to raves I'm gonna do psychedelic LSD and smoke weed and like not do like cause meth bad shit I'm breaking into garages we're doing illegal crimes I'm like hanging out with dudes carrying guns cause, like, it, made, it, cause it makes you feel invincible or right what? Yeah. Right, and I'm just hanging out with this crowd. I'm like, I don't want anything to do with that anymore. I'm going to hang out with these dudes that go to raves. I'm going to do LSD. So I did that, and I was like away, and I was dropping LSD. At, I was like, I really into LSD. I'm dropping it at school. Like, I'm tripping at school. I'm smoking. I'm back to smoking. Because that first time I smoked meth, I'm like, why have I been wasting my time with weed this whole time? Yeah. I'm meth. So I'm going back to weed. I rediscovered my love for weed. I had this. Um, I'm in 11th grade now. I have a younger homie who's in 10th grade. We started a thing called the Blunt Junkies after the Beat Junkies. Uh -huh. I wrote like Blunt Commandments. We'd just be smoking blunts. And I'm like, this is my thing. And then so I was trying to stay away from Wapo and them. So then there's a party at this dude Michael's house who lived around the corner from me. And I know he was affiliated with Wapo and them. And I'm like, you know, I'm going to go to this party anyways. And I go and all my old homies are there. Wapo's there, everyone's there. And it's like kind of tight to see them, you know? And then all this beef is still going on with the dudes I used to hang out with in freshman year. Sick ass homies, SAH. Uh -huh. And so something happens where those fools pull up, guns are pulled, something goes down. And I'm like, oh, fuck that. I go to the backyard. I'm like, I don't want nothing to do with none of this. And then Michael's freaking out, kicking everyone out of his house. And I'm like, hey, you know, I have to walk home around the corner. Like, I don't want to get shot. I'm like, I'm not leaving your house, bro. I'm staying here for a couple of hours, you uh -huh. know? And then Wobble and them are like, ew, we're rolling on these fools right now. We're going to pick up guns. We're going to roll on these fools. There's a thing called um, Six Poles. And it was like, you follow these six poles in the desert. And that's where we heard they were partying. They were going to go shoot it up, blah, blah, blah. And they're like, yo, Adam, they're like, you're rolling the wit. 
And I was like, fuck, you know, I can't say no to these fools. And I'm yeah. back with these fools. They're going to the, my old, my old big homie T's down with them. He has like assault rifles under his bed. They're grabbing guns. It's crazy. I'm like, oh my God. Wapo's like threatening people. He's going to check um, everyone's like clips to make sure everyone emptied out all their shit or they're going to get fucked up. Wow. So I'm like, oh my God, why am I? And you're in the car at this yeah, point? Yeah. I'm like, this fucking sucks. I'm like, I'm trying to get away from this. Like, this is horrible. And, um, and there's a guy named Popeye and we're in the back of this truck, me and Popeye. And I'm like, this sucks. And Wobble must have saw what, like, I was not, not feeling it. And it was like, yo, and he's like, everyone's getting, he's like, yo, uh, you and Popeye, you guys wait here by the cars and shit. Watch the cars. I'm like, fuck. So yes. he like looked out for you. Yeah. I'm like, fuck yeah. Cause he always had a liking for you. Yeah. And he, you know, he was, even though he was getting you into foul shit, he still was like keeping an eye out for you. Always. That, that's, that's tight. So I was like, hell yeah. Cause I was like, I don't, I don't want to get shot. I don't want to shoot at nobody. Like, I don't like, this is too serious. And so did they go shoot at people? Oh yeah. It was crazy. Oh, man. And I almost got retaliated and killed over this shit. Cause like after that, I started hanging out with him again. I got back on meth. Mm-hmm. I'm back with these dudes. And so I ha- had this homie named Antonio who was just like a kind of a pussy pretty boy. And we went to this mall in Phoenix's Metro Mall. Like it was a, a, a cracking mall. And I've been kind of scared about going out because of all the shit that happened with the mm-hmm. SAH dudes. I don't know how to say this without like implicating anybody, but like did did, did anyone die from either side that night? No, did, no one died. No one just, died. Just, people just yeah. got shot at. No one died. I heard crazy stories about uh, this one dude and the other homie had like guns to each other like crazy. Like no one died though, but shots okay. definitely were fired and okay. stuff. Uh, no one got killed. But so there was definitely like people knew that you were involved and you were fearing right. for your life right. or like for reta- retaliation right. at that point. And it's weird. These are dudes I hung out with just two years prior. You yeah. know? One dude in particular named Gino who uh, was good friends with the SAH dudes and he was best friends with Nick Pappas. He got like, killed. Actually, he was the one that um, – he was leaving Gino's house when it happened. Me and Gino had beef since freshman year. When I was still friends, we had mutual friends over a bitch. Mm. So we had been had beef over a bitch. Were you ever a fighter? Like, did you ever have to throw hands with anybody? Yeah, I never had to do it alone. Like, actually, in ninth grade, um, there was like, uh, when when I was hanging out with the with the gang, not the not Wapo and those dudes, but like the actual gangster dudes, this dude EJ Puppet and all these like uh, gangbangers. I was at a house party and they were like, uh, this one dude had fucked over the homegirl, and they're like, yo, we're gonna fuck him up. They're like, yo, Adam, you set it off on this fool. And I was like, uh, okay, okay, you know. But my big homie T was there. He was like my cousin. I'm like, so I'm not worried. And so I'm following this dude around the party, and um, uh, we're, we're following him. We're following him around the party, and he's like on the on the on the cordless phone of the house, and he sees that I'm following him, and I'm with T, and so he looks scared and he goes to the front yard, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna sit off on this fool, and I went up and I was like, hey fool, I was like, I was like, hey, you fucked over. Uh, I think her name was Shannon. Hey, you fucked over Shannon. You know, I'm stepping to this dude, and then out of nowhere, EJ just runs up. Bam! Clocks that fool. He's out. Everyone's stomping this fool. And I'm like, oh, I want to show out. So as soon as everyone backed up, I ran back up and I fucking kicked this fool hella hard in his forehead, though, with like Nike Cortez on, which are hella. So I broke my toenail and it was crazy. <laughs> and that shit was like, and it ended up backfiring because it ended up a bitch. Obviously, because you and, broke your toe. And also, a bitch I was trying to fuck that I was. Bitch, girls have always been a problem for me. And there was this girl I was like hella obsessed with. And she ended up being like good friends with this dude. And that fucked up my chance of fucking this girl. So then, by the time you're out of high school, you're full on drug addict or what? Right. Yeah. Well, let me tell you what happened. So I'm at the mall, right? And like, and I've been nervous to go out since that had happened that these fools are going to roll on me, especially Gino. He doesn't like me, you know? And so we're at the mall. And I'm with Antonio who's not going to fight and do anything, you know, and I'm not a good fighter. I'm fucking, I'm weak. You know what I'm saying? I'm not a fighter. I'm not into it. Like I'm into it in a large group of people and I'm like, fuck. And so we're at the mall and I'm already kind of paranoid looking behind my shoulder. And so I've been paranoid they're going to be there. And so we go to the bathroom and I'm in the bathroom and I hear hella people walk in the bathroom and it sounded sus. And they went to people walked out. I walked out. I didn't see Antonio no more. Romeo, we called him. And I was like, all right. So like I was like in the bathroom fucking combing my hair back and shit. And he 
he comes in, he's like, hey, bro. He's like, Gino and them are outside. They want to talk to you. And I was like, hey, dude. Because he knows I've been nervous. I'm like, don't, don't joke. Don't, that's not funny. He's like, nah, I'm being very serious. And all of a sudden, they all walk in the bathroom. And he doesn't stand by me. He stays standing by them. And I'm like, fuck. And he's like, hey. He's like, you were there at six poles. He's like, you want to come out to the parking lot and see what it feels like to get shot at? And I was like, I looked at Gino like, nah, homie. I'm like, you know how it is. Like, I didn't want to, you know, I didn't want to have to be a part of that. Da, da. And I was like, and I went to one of the dudes who I used to hang out with, you know, because these are all dudes I used to hang out at Steve's house. I went to one of them. Like, I'm like, I'm like, homie, you know me. He's like, nah, fool, I don't know you like that. And I was like, oh, great. Like, these fools don't want to be my friend at all. And they ended up just walking out the bathroom, not doing anything to me. Really? Yeah. Why? I don't know. Hmm. I thought for sure, I'm like, I'm going to get jumped in this bathroom. I'm going to go out to the parking lot. They're going to shoot me. I don't know what's going to happen. So they walked away, and then where did you go? Like, you just walked they out of the bathroom, to, they, it was gone. Yeah, they told me to watch my back, da, 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 and I got the fuck out of there. Did you, were you, like, were you like running through the mall, or you just kind of like... Yeah, I went out, like, back exit doors and shit. Like, I did not go out the main entrance. You wow. know what I mean? Like, I was like, I didn't get the fuck out of here. Yeah. So what year was that? That was your junior year? Junior year. Damn. So then senior year, you drop out. Yeah. I'm all fucked up on, on meth. I'm doing all this stuff. Uh, then we move in um, 99 to uh, you know i had so much beef like i was worried about this other dude shooting me like i was i had shit going on so when we moved and towards the end before i moved i stopped trying to hang out with those dudes again when you I, moved back to la yeah so we moved to thousand oaks yeah in that the was Valley. my senior year of high school and so you were probably felt like a huge weight off your shoulders because you got to get to start over yeah i was excited and I, my mom my parents showed me pictures of the house and there was like all these crazy plants and shit everywhere like they showed me the path up to the house and this I'm was like, this I'm like, was I'm like yeah i'm gonna just do lsd i'm gonna be happy i'm not gonna do meth like it's gonna be great right Right, and this was um, like your dad moved out for work again. Is that what it was? Yeah. Mom was still drinking at this point, or no? Yeah. Did she have work as well? I don't think so. I okay. Work anymore at this yeah. point. So I was stoked. I'm like, I'm not going to be involved in no gangster shit. Da, da, da. And I was still on probation because my probation um, got got switched. I was gonna, supposed to get off when I moved to California, but like I failed the drug test, uh-huh. so they moved my probation over to California. Mm. Um, so my probation officer was like, uh, I don't want you because I couldn't go to regular high school. I had to go to the continuation school. Mm-hmm. And she was like, knew my uh, gang pass, and she was like, I don't want you to go to c- the continuation because there's like gangsters there and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like there's a school called Century High, which is on Westlake's campus, which is this nice high school in Westlake, you know, uh, like in the nice area of Thousand Oaks. And she's like, and it's like these two bungalows. It's only for... Um, Supposed to be for like non gang affiliated, uh, se- like seniors only. And she's like, I want you to go here. And I was like, Yeah, 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 I want to do that, you know? And I did that and I was like smoking weed and tripping LSD and I wasn't doing meth and I wasn't doing crimes. I didn't hang out with no gangsters. It was cool. And like I met these other, like this long haired dude and like we smoked fucking weed and drank 40s together. Like it was cool. And it was nothing like that at all. I met this dude named Jimmy and Jimmy was, um, like a baseball player type of dude, you know, blah, blah, blah. And uh, we were we chill and we smoke weed together. And it was you know we smoked blunts like it was it was tight no no problems. And one day he goes, "Hey man, you ever done meth?" Oh shit! And I'm like, "Yeah." It just rears its fucking ugly head again. Yeah, huh? and I'm like, "Yeah, I've done meth." He's like, "Oh, I just did it for the first time." My boy Jason got. He's like, "Da da da," and I'm like, "Oh, like I'm down." <laughs> You know, so I started doing meth again and me and this fool, Jimmy was, cause he didn't, I started, I picked up where I left from and like I was doing hella meth. We smoked crack together. Like we were doing crack and like, uh, and like he picked up the same pace as I did without even like having a drug history. He lost his fucking mind. Mm. He became a crazy person. Yeah. And, um, there's more about that. So he became crazy. So we were doing all this meth together. Is it one of those things where, um, another thing that Ron said in, in his interview that, that was very intriguing to me was that they did crack because... 
they weren't in neighborhoods where they saw the destruction of that shit. And he said, like, you know, my fucking, my gangster ass friends and my hood friends were like, yo, crack is not cool. Like, that turns people into fucking zombies where I'm at. And he's like, that's not my experience. So that's why we did it. Was right. that why you had no fear of crack? You never no, saw you know, the I did, I did crack even before. I did crack when I lived in Arizona. Mm. Um, when I first was doing meth, sophomore year, all my homies I went to school with that weren't gangster dudes, like, that lived in my neighborhood that I went to school with, they were all into crack. Whoa. And they were like, Meth was like a girl, like a faggot drug. It was like a girl drug and a faggot drug. Really? They're like, you're doing meth? You know what I'm saying? Like, they weren't down. They're like, hey, they smoke crack, brother. Like, that's what you need to do, brother. You know, like, mm. these white dudes. And um, I smoked crack with them. And I was like, but I liked meth. Mm. And so this dude, Jimmy, he wanted to try everything. And like, I'm just down to get fucked up. Like, I'm at this point, if I didn't have uh, drugs, I was down to go buy a bottle of a Glade and Huff Glade. You're like what they call a garbage head? Yeah, I'm just want to get fucked You'll up. You'll just put anything in I want to escape. Yeah. Like, I'm drinking. I'm going to black out. I'm fucking, you want to bring crack? Let's smoke the 60 Rock in three minutes. You're never into like opiates, right? You're never into downers. You liked uppers? Yeah, I never really. Like, this is, it just didn't come around me. I'm sure if it came around, I would have loved I would have done it. Yeah. You know, but that would I didn't come around me. So you know, I, we get high. At that point, I get high on Glade. Like if I didn't have drugs, I bought Glade. You know, for a dollar and huffed it. Wow, that's crazy. So were you like super into rap music during all of this? Still, were you rapping? Yeah, 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 uh, yeah. And that's the thing. I always had delusions about becoming a rapper, but I never recorded tracks, never did anything because I'm about drug life. Yeah, you know what I mean. But I always freestyle. Always had friends that rapped, and we'd like talk about, oh, we're gonna become a rap group. We're gonna do this, you know. But no, nah, we're just doing drugs. Wow. Like, I wasn't doing nothing productive. And so I'm doing meth with this dude. My parents find out I'm doing drugs again. And um, at this point, I'm not allowed to live at home if, if I'm on drugs. Uh -huh. And so I eventually, I think eventually, I think first I get arrested. No, I didn't get arrested for a while. And so they kicked me out because I'm on meth. They're like, you can't live here. You know, like, so where did you go? Jimmy had a truck because he got kicked out too. So we'd stay in a lot of hotel rooms and we sleep in his truck a lot. And we just do hella meth together. Wow. But he ended up losing his mind. And he had a girlfriend. So we would go to her house a lot and I'd shower there and stuff. So he ended up becoming like a schizo. He ended up thinking that me and his girlfriend were trying to fuck. She'd like do doodles on Matthew now and then scratch it out. And he think they were like private coded messages that only I could read. Wow. And he thought like, so he thought crazy shit. And like it became where I was like, if we were in the truck together, I was scared to fall asleep till he fell asleep so how'd you get rid of jimmy then so we're doing all these drugs and i ended up moving to this trailer like with all these other um meth heads and at this point like i'm i'm down and out even and with jimmy i like i like didn't have money for anything I'm, I'm like sometimes if he had a girlfriend so if he couldn't hang out i used to take a lawn like i'd go to like uh apartment complexes that had pools and i'd take the lawn chair and i put it like usually like a brick wall that hides like the jacuzzi casing where you like to fuck with the heater i would put the uh, lawn chair back there and i'd sleep like in lawn chairs mm. you know like i was just so depressed so alone. when you look back on this uh, like hearing this having never been into anything like that like it sounds horrifying yeah, like do you look back on this with like I can't wow i can't fucking believe this yeah because like this is the same life yeah because having known you now i've known you probably four or five years and having known you it's like i didn't know any of the right. depths of that that's crazy to me right. like do you look back at that like just horrified yeah i can't believe that was my life yeah you know and it took so long to learn because uh this just keeps continuing you know and I, i'm like so i'm i'm really lonely when did you when did you finally get arrested so what happened? So I'm in the trailer, and the thing is, I, I often I could go back to my mom's house, and all my friends are getting arrested. She's like, "You're gonna get arrested," and that was my claim to fame. Is like, not me. Like I'm the only one not getting arrested. I'm yeah. good. I'm not. I'm good. And so I moved to this trailer, and things get a little better at the trailer. I'm still doing math, but I get a job at In and Out, and my brother's visiting from Arizona. He lives in Arizona with his wife and kid, mm -hmm. and so he comes out and he like finds out I'm working in and out, and he comes, and it's like. I've been living such a, like this disillusioned life and having to see my parents, you know, to see my brother. I was like, oh my God, that shit killed me. And he was like, Adam, he's like, stop this. He's like, come back to Arizona with me. And like, 
I don't know, like, oh, we're doing, me and Jimmy are doing mad crimes. We're, like, breaking into houses, breaking into cars, like, you know, for money to get dope and stuff. And I'm, like, and I felt, like, I felt paranoid, like, we were going to get arrested and the police were wide. I thought police were taking pictures and shit. And I was, like, I'm going to take this opportunity and I'm going to go to Arizona. So I, this is 2001. I just up, I was, like, 20 years old. I just up and left Arizona to go to my, or left um, uh, California to go to my brother's. And at first I could say that for freaks, I like babysat their kid, you know, while they went to work. Right. Then my brother got and me. And they trusted you? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was my brother. Yeah. And he got me a job at Del Taco where he like, he managed at Del Taco. I got a job at the Del Taco and I, I was smoking weed still, you know, but I wasn't like doing hard drugs. I was excited to get away from it. And so things are going good. I find out that Jimmy got arrested and he's doing serious time, you know, for more crimes. So he got arrested not so long after I left. So I probably So you been, just dodged another bullet. I dodged another bullet. Yeah. So I met my brothers now, you know, it's 2000, 2001. So I'm pretty good. Um, then one day his wife, Ebby, is like doing my laundry for some reason and she finds weed in my pocket. Mm-hmm. And so she sits me down that night. She goes, hey, I found your drugs. I was like, drugs? What, dr- what drugs? You know, she's like, your weed. I was like, weed? Yeah. yeah. That's not a drug. You yeah. know, like at my point, my mind, like that's not a drug. Like, I'm doing good. Yeah, yeah. And she's letting me borrow her car to get to work. She's letting me borrow her car to like go to the mall and shit. Right. And she's like, you can't stay here no more. Oh, shit. So I was like, all right, I have some money saved up and I just like, I'm on good terms with my parents again. I'm like, I could go back to California or I could like just try to have my own life in Arizona. Mm-hmm. So my parents, my mom came out, she helped me and I got my own apartment. Mm-hmm. And I'm working at Robinson's May now because I'm living right by the mall. So I'm working at Robinson's May. I got my own apartment. Shit's good. I'm smoking weed. I meet other dudes i rap like we're freestyling smoke a weed together and none of your former arizona past like caught up with you while you were back home no, like, i'm like back then i lived on the north side of, of phoenix i'm on you know everyone's in prison now oh, okay. wobble them like this is you know this is uh they've, five, they've five already it's, it's already gone. taken their time. And, and i'm on the west side of phoenix i'm like peoria i'm like away from all that okay you know i don't even see you know like i saw t a couple of times you know so i'm like oh they're all older now out of i you know none of them are in high school anymore and like the whole crew's gone so i'm just i have a whole new crew out there these dudes i'm smoking blunts with like it's all good and i'm living in this nice ass apartment like archstone owned it which is like nice apartments yeah it was tight and then um i had these neighbors that moved in and i noticed like they're like working on their cars like at five in the morning yeah so you're like oh these are the telltale signs i'm noticing activity yeah and i'm like oh these are meth dealers yeah i'm like i kind of want to meet them Uh. you know i want to meet them and um, so I ended up meeting them and I ended up being invited over and they're in a meth. And next thing you know, like I'm hanging out with like my black homies that I'm like hanging out with smoking weed rapping with yeah. during the day. When they leave at night, I'm going over to the tweakers apartment next door. and I'm smoking meth all fucking night. They're smoking meth out of gas mask and shit and out of bongs. Like we're getting fucked up and I'm back. I'm back on meth. And then I'm spending all my money on it. And it ends bad where like I'm, I get evicted from that apartment. My fucking power gets shut off because I don't pay it. Uh, I fucking I'm like the last like two weeks there. I don't even have lights. I'm like can like I'm hang, living by candlelight, you know. Wow. And ended bad. And um, I ended up going back home. Wow. That was 2001. I want to like fast forward because we're going long already, which is great. <laughs> I, I, no, I'm loving right, it. Right. It's very fucking interesting. Sorry, I didn't know most of this. And so, so I go back. I'm, so when you get, yeah, when you get home, I get home. I'm trying to be sober again. I'm going to be sober. Each time I relapse, by the way, it's always over a girl. I'm always sober. I'm going to do good. Then, and even with that tweaker, then it was a girl I saw that lived there. Mm. So it's always like I've met a girl. She's in a meth. I want to fuck. That's kind of your route in is the meth. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my route's in meth. I'm going to buy a bunch of meth. Yeah. So I go back there. I have a car now. I got my grandma's car. My grandma let me have her car. I'm doing good in Arizona. And then I fucking meet a girl who's in a meth and I'm fucking doing meth again. When you get back to LA. Yeah. And then I get arrested. 
And I think it was for like possession of a meth pipe. And already like, oh, you just it was just a normal like traffic stop, and then and then they found meth on you, right? Well, at this point, I'm like hanging out with this dude, Chris Freaky, and like it's in Thousand Oaks, is the suburbs, and so they know who's in the meth game. And these are dudes slanging meth, this and this. I'm hanging out with them, so they know my car as big ass orange Malibu. They kept pulling me over. They could never search my shit because I'm on probation. So I finally like made up an excuse to search my car, found a meth pipe, put me on probation. You could do like three days, and after this, I'm getting pulled over. Once a fucking week. I'm getting arrested for pipes, for under the influence. I'm going in for a week in Ventura County, getting out. I'm in and out of jail. They come, to, uh, they, they read the registry at hotel rooms. They see I'm in a hotel room. They raid the hotel room. I'm just going. I'm in and out of jail at this point. Wow. I'm not allowed to live in my parents' house. How are you surviving in jail? Like, what was the routine that you got on to, like, not Vent- get beat up or anything? Ventura wasn't bad. I was in there for a weekend. I get a weekend. I get OR'd. Weekend OR'd. Weekend OR'd. It was just like for having a meth pipe or being under the influence. Uh. They just, like, kept throwing me in there. You know, didn't really deter me. I'm doing whatever. I'm like living out of my car. And then things get bad again where I'm living, you know, in my, in my car at the Denny's parking lot. Oh shit. Like, that's where I'm living now. Cause I thought that Denny's parking lot's a private parking lot. Yeah. So they can't call it, Like police can't just like code patrol it, you know? So I'm living there. It's just really bad. I'm depressed again. And then, um, I don't know what happened. I guess I must've got arrested again. It's so uh, confused my mind. Of like the, Cause it was just a dark time. Yeah. And yeah. like, it's so much, I kept going back to like this fucked up but this, shit. But at this point, your parents had already given up. They're like, right. you're out until you get sober. Had, had your mom gotten sober at this point? You said she's been sober for 11 years. It's probably around that time. Around that time she started getting sober. Did she start telling you like, Hey, you have a fucking problem. Oh, yeah. She kept saying this, you know, yeah. she kept saying it. Cause she realized it about herself right. and she saw you right. in herself. Right. Probably, or, you know, so I think I finally like have a new rehab for 30 days. Uh-huh. I got out. Where was this? Uh, cry help in the valley. Okay. Went for 30 days, thought I was cured, got out. I think I went to maybe a sober living for like a month, got out, and I started using again. And uh, the last time was so dark living in the Denny's parking lot that this time I was like, all right. I was like, if I'm, oh, I went to rehab because I got arrested, and this time I had to do time. This time I had to do 90 days. And so after that, and right before I went, I met this chick. It's like, awesome girl. And so we were talking a lot, and like I knew I, I had a date to turn myself in. So when I met her, I had like a week before I had to turn myself in. So I was like, lived up with that week with her. And then when I got out, I was like, I'm going to be sober, this and this. I must have already gone to rehab before that because this is this jail shit. I was like, I'm going to get sober, but I'm going to smoke weed. And I hung out with her the day I got out. We went to ASAP Rock concert. Oh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know? And I was yeah. like, and I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to, and I, that day I like, got out that day. I like, probably just smoking weed. So I was like, I'm going to get high with her and I won't be like a weirdo because I haven't smoked weed in like, yeah. in like four months, five months, you it know? It was an ASAP Rock show where? The El Rey. Oh, what year was that? <laughs> 2004 maybe i think i was at the same uh, was it aesop rock atmosphere and MERS? no oh, okay never that mind. would have been tight though yeah and like so i was like hey do you want to smoke and i picked her up I'm like you want to smoke weed she's like yeah do you want to smoke meth and i was like yeah so where day out of jail i'm smoking meth but this time shit was so bad before where i was living in my fucking car in the denny's parking lot and i felt like a piece of shit i was like this time i'm not gonna let this happen i'm a slang dope i'm gonna be a drug dealer so right off the bat I was like, I bought a bunch of dope and I started slaying dope. And this time shit's going good. I get kicked out of my parents' house again because I'm on drugs, but I can stay wherever the fuck I want to because I'm getting two zips at a time. And I'm slaying one zip for $1,200 and that's how much two zips cost me. So I have a whole fucking zip to play around with. When you're saying dope, what kind of dope? Meth. Okay. So I'm staying at whoever house I want to. This fucking fly ass bitch, Hannah, who I met right before I went in, she's like on a run with me. She's staying wherever I'm staying. I'm getting hotel rooms. I'm staying at like dope houses. Like she's with me and it is tight. 
Uh-huh. And I'm just like, this is like, I'm, I'm loving it. I got money. I got her like in the car. You were finally the, the realization of this character you always wanted to <laughs> yes. be. Yeah. She's counting my money like on the way to re-up. Like <laughs> wow. it's going good. I'm like, this is so tight. So I got arrested. And so I got, she got, um, her parents like called, like were, had police looking for her. Yeah. So she got caught like a week before I did and she got sent to rehab. Uh-huh. But I was still out there slinging dope. And then you get picked up by the cops. I get picked up by the cops. And that's when you had to do 90 days or you'd already done 90 days. That must be when I did the 90 days. No, so, no, 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 no. I'd already done the 90 days because I met her before I went in. So this time you must have gotten even more time then. No. So this time I get caught. I, like, I traded some dope for some uh, Darva sets. Yeah. Which are like muscle relaxers, I guess. And I, I was with, at this. as soon as I picked up, I go to this older dude's house and I flip him an ounce for the same price I paid for two. Mm-hmm. I go there and, I, and I'm with the little young bitch. Mm-hmm. I, don't think the bitch I think the bitch was not even out of high school. I think she might have been a senior, you know? Uh, and I flipped this dope, and um, we're there, we're smoking. I take these Darvis sets, and I'm pretty fucked up, but I don't realize it. And I'm like, yo, I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm going to give this bitch a ride home right now. And they're like, everyone's like, oh, maybe you should stay, you know? But I'm like, nah, they just want me to stay because they want my dope. They want me mm-hmm. to smoke more dope. I'm like, nah, I'm out. So I give this bitch a ride home. She sucks my dick like on the way, you know, mm-hmm. dropping her off. Like, I'm feeling good. And I'm not allowed at my parents' house, and I'm on the freeway, and all of a sudden I come to, and I'm driving on the freeway, and there's police behind me. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure what's happening, and I, and I feel like I'm driving towards my parents' house i don't know why i'd be driving there mm-hmm. and so i pull over to the freeway and right away i always roll with like a cup of pepsi with hella with hella um with like pepsi with cigarette butts and shit right mm-hmm. empty dope in mm-hmm. so i'm pulling over but i'm so like a delusion i'm like trying to th- empty my dope out i'm trying to like find where my glass the cops had the lights on well this is why i'm still driving pulling over so i'm trying to like get rid of everything trying to break pipes but i'm so like foggy that i don't know like where anything is you yeah. know and so they pull me over and they're like do you know where you are i'm like yeah i'm going to my parents house and they're like do you know where you are and i looked at the freeway exit i'm like yeah i'm by lost hills yeah. you know so i'm making up all this shit and they're like you know you were swerving i'm like i'm just so tired i, I got off work late da, da, da. Yeah. and they're believing me kind of and they're yeah. like have you been doing drugs I'm like yeah i smoked some weed uh-huh. and they're like all right and they they pull me out and they're searching the car and I got rid of most most of dope like an ounce but I had an eight ball that was in my glove box I forgot about and they're like hey you're doing more than weed mm-hmm. they take me in I'm like oh fuck I'm fucked now and at this point I was over meth I was only really smoking it with girls mm-hmm. like I like I liked smoking weed and I was like and I was beaten up I was tired I'm tired of, of this you know like and so I went in I'm like I'm gonna do hell of time I think I just got a possession charge I got probation I got prop 36 at this point, they're giving out Prop 36 like candy to drug addicts, you know? What's Prop 36? It's like outpatient rehab kind of. Okay. You drug test and you go to these counseling meetings to try to like rehabilitate you, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, this is tight. I'm going to do Prop 36. I got out and I was like, I'm done with meth. Like, I'm over this. I think I like checked myself into another rehab and I, I went to a sober living. Like, I started reading the Bible. You know, uh-huh. And I was like, I'm going to become Christian. Uh-huh. And I was like, I just wanted to change. At first, I was like delusion. I'm like, I kind of want to still sell drugs, though, because I felt like I had the complex. That I was like running shit. And that was tight. Yeah. Like, I've been wanting that my whole life. Yeah. And um, so I was like, no, I can't sell drugs. Can't do anything. I'm going to stay off these drugs. Was uh, this the part where you were making lists of like what you could nope, and could do? Nope. Nope. This is just uh, things are going good. What? Oh, the girl, she gets out of rehab and we get together. This girl, Hannah. And she wants to start using meth again. I'm like, nah, baby, we can't. We got to stay off all drugs. Sober is the way to be. You know, we're doing it. And we're dating each other. And we decided let's get out of Thousand Oaks. Let's move to Hollywood together. Let's get a studio apartment together. Wow. So we move out. And we have an apartment together. We get a cat. 
Uh, we have a cab. We live in the studio. I'm not doing drugs or drinking. I'm doing Prop 36 with flying colors because I'm sober. I'm not going to meetings or anything like that, but I'm not doing drugs or drinking or nothing. And it's going great. And then she wants to like go to nursing school. So we moved to the valley together in like a bigger apartment. And that's fucking tight. And Were it, you in love? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I was in love. Was that your only love, do you think? Probably. Because you're the type that doesn't allow yourself to fall in love at this right. point in your life, it right. seems like. No, and she was awesome. And like, I think you kind of traded your drug addiction for a workaholism as well. Right. Do you agree with that? Probably more for girls. I think that you definitely have some sex addict things going on. I think that girls have always been my addiction even more than drugs and alcohol because it always was relapsing because of girls. Always. And that's what I was going to say. Well, you talked about like, you know, yeah, you were more interested in trying to get in the chick than you were the actual meth, but the meth was the route in. So it's right. like you definitely have some sex addiction stuff going on probably, but that, I feel like that's probably the lesser of two evils right now. Right, right. But as far as like your emotional disconnection, you know what I'm saying? Like, do you feel like uh, you'll ever allow yourself to be in love again? Or do you think that? Uh, yeah, I'd be down. I mean, you know, if it happens, it happens. But it's something where you're probably still not satisfied with your situation yet, right? Like, because right now you're on the grind. Right. I'm on the grind now heavy. Yeah, you're really on the grind. And right. I feel like that probably takes up a lot of your time. And I feel like a lot of people that I've heard um, talk about when they are on the grind and they're trying to become a success, it's like almost not fair to date someone seriously because if you're on the grind heavy, you're really not satisfied with yourself right. yet. And you don't feel like you're at the level you're getting to yet. And it's so funny because I feel like people that are successful on the grind, pussy's the motivation. Money's the motivation, but the motivation for money is pussy. I mean, that's very, that's a very, so, that's a base instinct. Right. So almost. it's funny. It's like when you're on the grind, it's like to get pussy, but then you're so busy on the grind, you don't have time for like yeah. pussy really, yeah. you know? Mm-hmm. Or, or at least you don't have time to be like emotionally connected right, to it. Yeah. Right. Because I mean, you've always got the night hours. Right. But so, okay. When is the point when you hit rock bottom? So I'll get to it. So, I mean, I had a rock bottom already. The homelessness, the living, the thing, the, that was horrible. Mm-hmm. I'm back with this girl now. I'm with this girl. We're living in our second apartment together. We get a second cat, Sweet Pea, who you know. Yeah, Sweet Pea. So we have two cats now. We're living together. It's awesome. And then I started hanging out with some, like, buddies, you know, from Thousand Oaks. Yeah. Drinking on the weekends. Go to the bar, but blackout drinking. Yeah. Only on the weekends, though. But I only go out if she'd go out with her friends, which was hard to make her do. Yeah. She didn't trust me, you know, so she didn't want me going out. Uh-huh. Then it came to the point where I'm like... I've been with this bitch now for like three years living together. I'm like, I'm kind of getting bored and she's like really suffocating me. Three years is the make or break time too. It's like, that's either marriage or breakup pretty right. much. And that's- she's younger than me, by the way. I'm probably 24 and she's like 21. Uh-huh. I'm 25 and she's 21. Yeah. And I've been with her since she's nine. Like, I've been with her since she's 19. She's 22 at this point. Okay. And I feel like she feels like she didn't get to live out her 21 like wild years because we we're like wifed up. Heavy, Absolutely. You know? And like, um, so I started drinking and I remember I, I didn't want to break up with her, but I didn't want to live with her. I'd be in the shower like alone away from her and be like i wish this bitch lived at her friend's house right you know like this is crazy and then she started i could feel the disconnect from her where she's fighting with me all the time so eventually we, we break up and she leaves that apartment and i have this big ass apartment to myself uh after being with her for the hell of years and then i could now i could go with my homies and i could drink every day and there's a bar right up the street so right away and i'm kind of like playing a pity party where i'm like I'm like i'm gonna be this like hopeless like drunk guy that girls want to take i have this character in my head i want to like be like a bukowski i want to be i'm reading bukowski i want to be bukowski yeah you know and that's what i want to be so i'm like i have this character in my mind I'm like this is what i am now you know so i'm drinking every day i'm drinking whiskey i'm like and, I, and I'm, I'm getting drunk every day i my thing i wasn't gonna drink at work i worked at whole foods i'm not gonna get drunk at work but I, the days off i'm drinking at noon i'm waking up and drinking i'm an alcoholic and to me it's a romantic thing uh, like i'm romanticizing this lifestyle right, it's a creative artistic right. statement and the whole time i'd never want to live in hollywood or the valley i've been wanting to live with the hipsters in silver lake and, and echo park and she didn't want to when we first tried to move because there's bars on windows uh, so when my that lease was up i'm like i'm going to motherfucking echo park yeah. and i'm gonna get involved in this hipster scene i'm gonna still drink fucking wine and whiskey and be this character yeah so i moved to echo park and um i'm just blackout drinking every day 
and I don't think it's a problem. I'm not doing drugs. I do cocaine sometimes, you know, but it's like I'm not addicted to it. I'm not the way I was. And I have a job and I have a house I live at and I'm just blackout drinking. And now fast forward to 2009 and I'm living this fucking, I'm going to these indie rock shows and I'm, and I'm blacked out all you the time. You get a DUI, right? I get a DUI. I get a DUI in the end of the beginning of 2009 and that's whatever. But then 2009, I get arrested five times. Wow. And that's when I hit my rock bottom. I get arrested for the DUI. Then I get a second DUI a few months later in Echo Park. And then my probation violates me. I go to jail for the violation. Um, then I get – so as three times. And then the fourth time, I fucking got caught up with some coke shit where mm-hmm. like they tried to get me for selling coke and I got rid of the evidence. And so I beat that. But I still went to jail for nine days for it. Then I'm selling weed, by the way, as well. So then- I've always thought, were you vegetarian at this point? Yes. I've always found that so funny. Like you were treating your body so shitty, but you were like, but you're like the biggest right. food snob vegetarian. Right. Like, right. I was super on vegetarian life. You but were working I, at juice bars and shit, but fucking shoving gonna, whatever in your body. Foods. I was very yeah. health food. But I was drinking, like blackout drinking every- Every yeah, day, you yeah. know, like you got to counterbalance it somehow. You know, I when I got that second DUI, I had to do work release at the county jail yeah. where you have to um, get there like seven in the morning until noon and work. Mm-hmm. And then, so I wake up seven in the morning, be at the jail, do the work release noon. I had to work at two o'clock. I rush to work at Whole Foods in the Valley still. I had to drive the Valley, get off work at 11 p.m., fucking hella fucking drink, blackout, I have to wake up with a hangover at 7 a.m. And that was such a hard like three months when I was doing that because I was just like such a fucking mess. And even the, the lady in charge, the cop in charge, she was like, you're a fucking mess, mm-hmm. you know? And so I get a Arrested for the for the cocaine thing, and I'm selling weed. I'm just buying an ounce of weed from the weed shop with my weed card, and I'm just selling it to like be able to smoke weed for free. Yeah, you know, and it's not a big deal. And I and um, so I end up selling weed to an undercover cop. Ugh. Long story, I don't want to get into that. It's dumb. So I sell weed to the undercover cop. And I get arrested and I'm like, you know, in LA County, I'm like you do 10% of your jail time. So it was what I heard. So I'm like, sales, weed, 180 days. I'll do 18 days. I'll be out and back on the grind. Yeah. Like, I'm not even tripping. And I get in there and, um, and I'm not, I'm like, I get sentenced and the or, uh, rehab wants me to go to prison. Wow. And so prison's being recommended. And I've been to jail a lot at this point. I'm like, oh, fuck. They want to send me to prison. Because prison is a big deal compared to county. Prison, you got to do at least 18 months. Wow. You know, I've never done. I did 90 days, you know, the most. So I was like, and that was in Ventura County, not bad. And so I'm like, uh, so I'm in L.A. County, and then I start to realize I'm not getting out, like, right away. And they want to send me to prison, and everyone else in jail is telling me, you're going to go to prison, bro. You know, and I'm like, ah, fuck. And so my lawyer convinces them that I'm a drug addict. I need to go to rehab. You know, and they're like, all right, we'll send him to rehab. Mm. But he has to do 90 days. Mm. You know? But I, but you could get out when the rehab comes and gets you. 90 days in county? Right. So but they, but you get out when the rehab gets you. But the rehab didn't get me until the end of the 90 days because um, I didn't have money for the rehab. So like the Jewish Defense League for some reason found me and there's like this Jewish rehab and they're going to take me in. Like it was crazy. So um, in jail, that's when I... I, I uh my mom this whole time is like, you need help. She's been sober and she's telling you right. you're fucked so up. So I call my mom, help. I'm in jail again and she's like, do you realize you have a problem yet? And I was like, nah. I was like, I'm not like that. I'm not like you. Yeah. You know? And I was like, I'm Do you pr- think your mom, ha- like, once she's had to kind of go through the 12 steps and everything, do you think she she probably feels re- really guilty that maybe she feels well, like you you're, th- you're like her, you well, know? Well, when you go through the 12 steps, you realize that yeah. it's not your fault. Yeah. So I'm in jail, and then she's like, do you realize you have a problem yet? And I'm like, nope, no problem. And I made a list, and I was like, because I thought I might have a problem. So this list you're talking about, I made a list where like, all right, when I get out, I'm only going to drink – if I go out, I'm going to drink six to eight whiskey ginger ales. If I stay home, no whiskey. And six to eight whiskey ginger – like six to eight, I would be sloshed. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But you know, and I was like, but if I stay home, no whiskey? Yeah. If I stay home, only wine or beer. Mm. So that's going to be good. So you're doing these like kind of uh, quid pro quos for yourself. And I was going to put this on my fridge when I got out. And if I broke any of that, then I need help. Yeah. 
You know, so I made this list, and so I'm sitting in jail with this fucking list, and I'm like, on your list, was there anything about drugs? Was it just no drugs, only alcohol? No drugs. I can smoke weed when I watch like comedies and shit. Okay, if I'm watching half baked, I can smoke like, one like, half of a joint. Like I'm in a comedy, you know. So I'm like, if I like watch a comedy at home, like that's cool. I can smoke weed. So I had this crazy list, and then I find the AA book comes around me somehow in jail. It's hard to get books in jail. Mm-hmm. I see the AA book. I'm like, oh, I'm gonna read this, and I'm gonna highlight all the shit that I don't relate to. So I call my mom and be like, look. Not an alcoholic. So I'm reading this. Because I don't do this. Right. So I'm reading it. I'm highlighting all the shit I don't do. And the more I'm reading the AA book, the more I'm, I'm like, fuck. I think one passage specifically, it said when I wish I had it verbatim. Like It's like when I drink, I don't. It's about like drinking to like excessive amounts, like not stopping. Mm-hmm. And that's how I drink. I drink to black out. Yeah. I don't drink to have a good time. Yeah. I used to have a friend, Dustin, who used to say he ended up going through that stuff. And he said, uh, you know, I didn't used to drink to get drunk. I used to get drunk to die. That's that's like what it says in the book. And that's yeah. what I did. And I was like, holy shit. And I'm reading it. And I'm starting to have a realization. And then I get this book. Teenage Soup for the Soul, I come across. Oh, it's yeah. a kid's, it's a teenage book. Yeah. You know what it is? I, I've heard of it. It's stories written by teenagers about different subjects, family, friendship. So I'm reading this in jail because I'll read what I can. And I'm reading the friendship uh, section. And it's these teenagers writing stories, like essays about like amazing friendships they've had. And I'm reading these like sincere, beautiful friendships. And at this point, I'm a piece of shit my whole life. Like I'm on drugs and I'm selfish and I'm about me and I'm about coming up. A little bit of a sociopath. Yeah. So I'm reading this and I'm realizing that like no one's going to write a story like this about me ever. Yeah. Because I'm a piece of shit to everyone. Like my best friends, I'm fucking their girlfriends. Like I'm a piece of shit. You know what I mean? Like. And was that like a real depressing moment? Yeah. Yeah. And so I read it and I cried. Mm. I'm crying reading this fucking book written by probably a 14 year old, you know, girl. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I need to fucking change. I need to change. Like I'm changing my life. I want to be a friend. Mm-hmm. I want to be a good person. Yeah. This list is in fucking sane. Who the fuck makes a list yeah. about only drinking wine at home? Like, this is crazy. I have a fucking problem. So that was your moment of clarity. Moment of clarity. And at that point, I was like, I knew I had to go to rehab afterwards. Even if I didn't have to go to rehab, I was never going to use drugs or drink alcohol ever again. Yeah. That I knew for sure. Mm-hmm. Like, so I went to the rehab and it was cool because I knew I didn't even smoke cigarettes when I got out anymore. I knew, like, I'm done with this. Yeah. This is like, I'm not about this shit at all. So you get out and you clean yourself up. I get out, I have to go to the rehab, which wouldn't matter anyways because I'm going to be clean. And have you ever touched a drink or drug since then? Nope. Yeah. Not since uh, February. I got arrested February 5th, 2009. And I, and I don't know if like people ever tell you this, but as your friend, I'm proud of you because you're like very stringent about that. Like I know like yeah. when I bartend your parties, like you won't even touch the bottles of alcohol, which is, I think right. is really cool. You know what I mean? What I find interesting is like you kind of touched on it briefly a second ago where like you were with this girl at an Aesop Rock show, right? And so I think that's what's very interesting is through all these dark fucking times and now that people see you out as like this party king, and it's all like trap music and crazy twerking and all this shit. This whole time, you were you were like a hardcore rap nerd. Oh, music been my life the whole life. My music whole time. was your, yeah. We, I'm about we, we concentrated on the dark shit, yeah. but you were always super into music. Yeah, yeah. I was gangster rap. Then after that, I discovered Wu Tang and East Coast rap. Then I discovered underground rap. Well, what people I, might not know is that you're like a huge Anticon head. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I discovered the underground rap first, you know, East Coast underground rap. Then that's when I discovered Project Bloat, Anacon, and I'm white and rapping. And I was like, oh my God, these are other white dudes that rap and like they're weird and I'm fucking weird and artsy and like, you know, like this is awesome. And so, yeah, this whole time I'm into like underground rap. And so when you get and every year, I'm like, 
I'm going to become a rapper and I'm going to do this and I'm going to buy beats off this producer that's going to associate me with shapeshifters and like I have plans right. to be this rapper and right. be involved like in the Anacon shapeshifters and scene. so when you get out when did the big idea come to start throwing um, right. shows and was it kind of uh, in, just in was it just a means to an end no yeah and I don't want to throw shows in jail I was like I'm going to really become a rapper now I like I have these raps I'm going to become a rapper and so I'm going to get out and the first thing I did when I got out of rehab is I started going on MySpace which wasn't cracking anymore Yeah, and I hit up people that I saw like were involved in this shows. is in 09 I hit up satire because in 09 it was like Facebook had started yeah. and Twitter yeah this is like 2009 2010 yeah I'm like trying to find out where the rap shows are because I want to go and I just want to like I want to get on open mics I want to cipher outside like I want to be dedicated to becoming a rapper yeah point. yeah and I hit up DJ Stereotype because he's DJing uh, 2009 2010 DJ Stereotype was DJing every single fucking rap show and I was like bro I'm like where's the rap shows and at that point it kind of started dying down there was nothing cool and I was already friends with Christian Gibson uh, ex Stereo's brother yeah I knew him from when I was drinking we both drink the same kind of whiskey we both drink Canadian club before getting arrested in 2009 when I moved to be a hipster in Echo Park I went to like art noise rock punk shows whatever at art galleries in Echo Park so I was like alright there's no cool shows happening hip hop wise I loved like the scene of these noise rock shows where you fucking like it's all ages five bucks you brown bag your own beer like it's a cool feeling yeah i'm gonna throw a rap show at echo curio this gallery i'd go to every fucking wednesday to watch bands play i'm gonna throw a show there i don't know how to throw a show but my point my idea is this because i want to be a hipster rapper and you want to throw the show so that you have a platform to rap yourself Here's my idea at the end of the show to tie in with echo park i'm gonna get an echo park hipster band to play an improv set because at the end of hip-hop shows everyone wants to freestyle yeah they're gonna play an improv set which is gonna bring the hipster element and we're all gonna rap over it and i'm gonna fucking kill it freestyling over it one of these bands are gonna want me to join a band with them probably yeah yeah. (laughs) i'm thinking you know like this is gonna be tight yeah and so i don't know how to throw a show i I asked christian for advice because i know his brothers exist stereo and this and this and he's like you gotta hook up with someone that knows man you should actually look up a dj stereotype mm. that was his, his recommendation yeah so i hit up stereotype I'm like yo do you want to do a show with me and he's like yeah i'm down you know and and so i threw the show at this art gallery i didn't know about facebook event pages i put up some flyers i invited friends and it ended up fucking packing this little gallery and it was awesome which gallery was it echo curio it was echo curio gaja from Rain headline syra played and um Someone else played it. And that's oh, when you, Michael not played and Halloween Swim Team did the instrumental. And that's set. when you came up with Hipsters Who Hard Hip Hop, right? The second show that you played is when I came that, that didn't have a name. That was just a hip hop show. Oh, this is a hip hop show. In Echo Park. Then I came the second one, I asked you to play that one. Oh. It was you, Exist Stereo, who I wanted to play the first one who didn't. Yeah. Um Michael Not and Bizart. And I was yeah, like, Bizart, I'm gonna yeah. call it Hipsters Heart Hip Hop. So I was the first hipsters who are hip hop show technically. Yeah, you're the first official hipsters wow. hip hop show. You and headlined that, it, I think. That was an amazing that was a really fun show. That was my second show. No, Exist Stereo Exist Stereo headlined, he went after me, but it was in this tiny gallery and like it could maybe fit fifty people and probably almost a hundred shows up and right. it was so fun right and it became like this 360 stage where like basically i was in the middle of a circle i was just like rapping to everyone by turning around in circles it was so fun and that's what i wanted because that's how the indie rock like the the noise rock shows were it so, felt like a punk rock show so interactive and i'm like i want to bring this to hip-hop it felt like a hip-hop punk rock shows show. are fucking gay as fuck yeah so i'm gonna bring this to it and that was my idea and like and it picked up right away and like a lot of things the homies would comment on is how many girls would come which isn't a thing that happened to hip-hop shows yeah, a lot of girls came to that one. Yeah, like girls. Just, well, I'm very handsome. Well, girls fuck with me too, though. Yeah. You feel me? Like, they came to my shit. And so I'm doing Hipsters Hard Hip Hop, and it's becoming this, like, fucking movement, and it's becoming bigger than I ever imagined, and it's fucking tight, and I'm doing, like... I played, like, probably three of them, because I, yeah. well, I played a couple with uh, Verbs, too. They yeah. were always really fun. And always- it was funny, because at the time, the term hipster 
everybody was on some like I'm not a fucking hipster. Hipsters are lame. Right. That's, so you it, know, was it, was, yeah. it was ironic. And a lot of people were like, man, fuck that show called Hipsters Who Art Hip Hop because like that's some lame shit. They're calling themselves hipsters. Fuck that. Right. But I was like, I, I get it. It's cheeky. It's right, funny. Right. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was tight and it worked out. And it was like cracking. And then uh, sh- that was like 2010. Yeah. And, and then, then by, by 2011, I noticed when I noticed like, oh man, these guys are going to go on to some bigger shit. You guys threw a show at the standard, well, a pool well, party. Well, here's, well, first Chesky Ramos, who I'm a fan of, reached, yeah. reached out to me and he's like, do you want to throw a uh, AWOL one show? I'm like, holy shit. Do I want to like, this is what I'm listening to growing up. Like, yeah. fuck yeah. And then he's like, soul fucking called me from Anacom. Like called me on the phone. Like, this is crazy. So I'm throwing shows of like, I ended up throwing a show at the Echoplex with Chesky with Freestyle Fellowship, Shapeshifters, Soul and the Skyrider Band. Like it was like, I can't believe it. Oh yeah, it. I was at that show. I can't believe it. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. And then I um, started like getting tired of underground rap, you know? And, uh, uh, Little Be the Bass God it was like really cracking well I think you had enough foresight to know that it was kind of a scene that was dying out and things were starting to move right. forward Hard in the Paint came out that shit was tight and like I wanted to listen to this kind of music and it's funny we did a hipster's hip hop radio if you listen to the very last episode I'm swag 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 Wait, you know Lush yeah. One is on that SP was on it and I'm all about swag yeah. I'm stereotype please play Bass God oh my god please play Bass God and so I'm about it and I'm like I want to turn away from doing like these fucking uh, like hipster gallery shows and uh, I'm going to throw a night at the shortstop which is a bar and I'm going to call it swag it out I'm only going to play ignorant rap that I can never play at these other and that was and in stere- 2010 and stereotypes with the wave he loves this shit too yeah. so it was, I think maybe 2011 Okay. and so we were going to play Waka Faka Juicy Juicy J we're going to play Soldier Boy that's uh, when I met Romo because Romo's band had played and Romo saw what was happening too and he reached out and he's like yo do you need video stuff or flyer stuff so Romo's in on it and we're talking about how I want to rebrand because back then Swag It Out was still hipster hard hip hop uh-huh. and I was like I want to brand it out because I don't want to just even do I want to do more than just rap shows even I don't want yeah. it to be like hipsters hard hip hop so we're like we're going to rebrand it we saw I was thinking of Go Ham Productions uh, jokingly stereotypes said ham on everything and we're like that's the name yeah because ham was like a brand new right. kind of acronym like you know hard right. as a motherfucker like had just right. that had just become slang right yeah and i was like we want to do this and then you know about the standard because what happened is i started managing syra i started managing uh romo's group briefcase scenario yeah and i don't know how to manage but i knew i wanted to get them involved in cool shows at cool act and beyond that i think like you know as far as like gladwell goes like with the tipping point type shit like i think you are the definition of a maven and a connector so like that's what you need to be for right. a manager it's like you need to know what's cool and you also need to know people that you can tell what's cool and that's exactly what you're doing right. with your parties you know but with standard i've been to parties up there and i'm like yo how tight would it be if uh i got Romo's band briefcase scenario yeah. to play with like Ninja Sonic on the roof of the fucking standard because standard parties are up to that point super douche yeah I go to, I go to Swimming with the Sharks but I liked it and I was like yo I want to turn up at the standard and so I, I asked my friends at Swimming with the Sharks to give me the contact info they weren't down yeah and so I fucking researched it myself and I emailed the dude and he emailed me back and me and Romo went together to the meeting and um, fucking he was with it and I fucking did this party at the standard and a thousand like people came and like yeah I went and shot pictures of it it was a really good time that I mean, was the first that was, Riff Raff was there but before Riff Raff became a cultural icon, exactly. uh, Nasty was, was there, v was Nasty there. was there. It was like right after Krayshawn had taken off. So like these were like people that were just on the cusp. And this was the first thing as Ham on Everything. Yeah, that was the first this Ham on Everything. the first official Ham on Everything. Right. And since then, you guys have kind of taken over the party scene. Right. I mean, and then, you know, that went well. That was awesome. And then I did like, I tried to do like shows. I did like The Echo and Lasita and I did a crazy show of Crazy Girls. That was like legendary for CBG. It's like when they kind of caught on. Yeah. So I did, I want to do shows. And then I go to these underground 
warehouse parties that the homies like the well would throw and it was all house music but I love the warehouse vibe reminded me of those old you know noise rock shows I'd go to at art galleries but on a bigger scale and I hate house music and it's all I play was house music so I'm like alright what if I did a warehouse party but I play the same music I do at, sh- at Swag It Out at the Shortstop and I have like some of these like newer performers like new rap performers play there and so I'm thinking of that and I get Syra booked at this place called The Villa which is like an after hours house kind of thing and so when I get her booked there I get the I, I find out who owns it and I get their information and so I'm like I'm gonna do a party here and so it's about it's like December 2011 and so I'm like January 2012 and by this point Romo's helping me out like he's like uh, helping me put money in because I don't have enough money to pay for stuff so he's like fronting me money so like he's becoming like my partner you know and so I'm like yo we gotta hit 2012 hard with him on everything and here's what we're gonna do that villa I'm gonna call it the ho house H-O-E ham on everything and now that's the overpass right no 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 this is villa in MacArthur Park oh okay and so I was like I'm gonna hit it so hard I'm gonna do every Wednesday in 2012 in January ho house ho being an acronym for ham on everything yeah and so I did that and that took off crazy and that party in January 2012 every Wednesday is what got us where we are now that's what like set us I I had Casey Veggies or no I didn't that that one Scheme played it um, CBG played Speak played Danny Brown played it Alex Spit played it these are rappers that right in 2011-2012 like starting to break yeah. so I'm bringing these cool ass rappers and I'm getting cool ass DJ lineups in this fucking house we're going till 4 in the morning and there's a fucking line every fucking Wednesday like in this we were known and I think this is the time when you probably realize that you really excel at curation oh yeah I think above all, your biggest talent is curation. You are able to tell people what's cool and put it together in a, in a palatable way with these lineups. And I've watched you like come up with the lineups and it's very interesting. Your thought process behind it. It's insane. Like I'm crazy. Like it all starts with one artist. Which just seems like an arbitrary list of performers is something that you actually stew over and make sure that it makes sense. And there's connections. It has to be a connection and it can't be an obvious one. And maybe only a connection in my crazy head, but there has to be like a synchronicity. I don't even want to do the party if there's not. Yeah. And it's also something where you have a lot of foresight in knowing what's right. going to be next. Right. You know, we had Kitty Pride on the on the podcast. You were her first LA show. Right. You know, Brooke Candy, you were fucking with her before most right. of these big blogs were. You know, a lot. You probably through Riff Raff's first LA show, Riff too. Riff Raff's first LA show. Exactly. And it's crazy, like, how much is taken off now, and it's a huge thing, and it's a movement. And I think back to, like, all the old drug shit, all the old gang shit, all the old jail shit. Like, I cannot believe that, like... I'm the same, like, this is my, this is the same life. Like, that was part of my life. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? How is that even possible? It's outrageous. Like, I feel like I'm not the same person at all. I can't believe I ever did those things. I can't believe I ever lived in my car in Denny's. I cannot, like, I cannot fathom that I fucking, that was ever me. Well, the crazy thing is they say every seven years, every cell in your body recreates itself, right? So every seven years, you're technically, every cell in your body has died and been reborn. So every seven years, you're technically a different person. So think about this. When all of this started happening and you hit rock bottom and got clean you were probably 28 right roughly yeah i got sober four years ago so like you were probably like around 28 that's seven times three so you led three previous lives and now you're on your fourth one i really feel that and the fourth one is like really paying off right now that's crazy and it's like and i used to daydream like i'd write on a piece of paper like i daydream like 
if I was like a contra promoter and I had my own radio show and had my own clothing line, like I daydream these things that seem like stupid dope themed daydreams that would never come true. Oh, also, I'm, my math is bad because I said seven times three is twenty eight, but seven times four is twenty eight. So you're on your fifth life now. Perfect. So, yeah. So my bad. Sorry. Perfect. The point is that I'm living. I'm living a dream. I'm living a daydream. It's awesome. This is crazy. Yeah, man. I love being around it. I love being around you and Dave. You guys are a great creative team, and it's very inspiring to watch. And I, and you know, real shit. I'm like super proud of you guys, and I appreciate you guys letting me be around and be a part of it and be in and, and, and bartender or whatever like that helps the homies out because i'm right. a broke motherfucker and like you guys have been very supportive with the podcast so i appreciate that and totally. i hate to wrap it up so abruptly but we're gonna sit down with romo right after this and i'll probably have him go more into like the party aspect of the technical side of you guys throwing parties romo's definitely a technical one yeah let absolutely. me say let me say go ahead i cannot do any of this without romo i cannot do any of this with dj stereotype to begin with he was the guy I bounced all my ideas off of. And then with Romo, uh, Romo will tell you when he first got involved with him on everything, I didn't separate money from bar from door. I had stacks of money in my, in my crumpled up in my pocket. I didn't know what was my money and what I made from the show. I had no organization. Yeah. He puts it all together. And I think the holes in each of you guys' technical skills and personalities are filled in by the other. So you guys are a really great team. You know what I mean? Yeah, and, sure. and it's a really cool dynamic. So we're going to go into talking with him uh, next. Uh, before we get out of here. Oh, let me say one more thing. Okay. Well, it was really amazing. Yes. So 2011. Yes. That summer when I first did Hamlet Everything, we changed it. I was working at a juice bar. Yeah. And I hated it. I hated the people that owned it. Hated working there. You can still find pictures of you on their Yelp. On their Yelp. I'm still there. <laughs> I found them. I hated it. And it took away from me wanting to do all these shows and stuff I wanted to do. And I was very scared. And I was, and I was closing. And I was listening to Modest Mouse to the song Night on the Sun. And it said, and it said, uh, the globe is, will, is, the globe is willing and ready to explode. Like, and like the world could end any minute. And I'm, I'm thinking like, what if it did? And like, I'm, and, and I'm working for people I fucking hate at this fucking juice bar. I'm 28 years old making the money a 17 year old does on summer break. You know what I mean? And I'm like, this is bullshit. And I have this ham on everything. And like, hipster heard about is, is big. And like, this scene's happening. This movement's happening i feel like it's creating and i'm fucking doing this and i was like i'm going to quit my job i'm just gonna quit and i'm gonna do it for like eight to ten weeks during the summer and focus on ham on everything and then find another fucking juice bar job or something and uh, that was may 2011 and now it's may 2013 i still haven't had to work a job no backup plan no backup plan. that's how to do it i always say sometimes if you jump off that rocky cliff sometimes you'll land in warm water you know so shots out to everyone that goes to ham on everything i feel like it's a movement it's huge i feel like i'm created it but i have very little to do with it yeah it's a life outside of its own i cannot believe people really fucking bang for those parties because it's, if, it's very family-like you know bar right. having bartended a lot of the parties it's the same people that come and they always it's a come and it's a community it's a community it's a scene it's a community it's fun also uh real quick and we can decide whether to leave this in or not but the way that you and i became friends because i just knew you as this fucking goofy dude who was like posting on facebook should i be mc adamantium or <laughs> adamantium mc or adam weiss or, or adam, adam weiss, weiss. What, should, what should my rap name be and so i'm like oh there's this goofy kid asking me to fucking play shows i've been playing shows forever at that time and i was like oh yeah sure i'll play your show and you texted me we became friends because after the show i was like damn that was fucking fun it was super packed yada yada and he texted me hey man you left without um getting your money and i texted you back i said, said char charge it to the game i said charge it to the game man that shit was fun and ever since then I've, I've been like man adam this guy he knows what he's doing you know what i mean that was that the most money i made off hipster hip hop show by the way because you didn't take your money <laughs> that's tight <laughs> You guys made like five or ten bucks. That time I made a hundred and twenty-five bucks. Big, and now it's <laughs> and now it's crazy. The parties have come so far, but yeah, man, congratulations yeah. with all you guys' success. Swag. Uh, before we get out of here, tell the people where to find you guys online. What's your Twitter? Adam goes ham. Twitter at Adam goes ham. What's your? Uh, me. You got your ham on everything TV. 
HamonEverything.tv, the website is fucking not something to look at, but... But HamonEverything.BigCartel.com. That's where we sell our clothes. But yo, HamonEverything.tv is going to be cracking, though, because we're going to uh, start working on making the website like uh, some real shit. They're inspired by right? me to make it a content portal. We're going to make a content por- <laughs> portal ran by, ran by Intuition. Do you go by Intuition Maybe. or do you go by Lee on this? Yeah, I say, you know, it's Lee, otherwise known as Intuition. So Lee, otherwise known by Intuition, is going to help with that. <laughs> I'm going to consult. It's going to become a big thing. Yeah, so... Everything our internet presence sucks, we're going to become... Huge. Nah, you got, but you know, you guys have, if you guys want to find out about the parties that I always rant and rave about, you can find them on Twitter at Adam Goes Ham. You can find Romo, who's the other half of Ham on Everything, at Romo Face. You can look for Facebook invites, et cetera, et cetera. But just keep your ears out. The parties are fun. Yeah, We're the, always there. The only way to know about the parties, you got to follow me on Twitter. And when I post, um, oh, there's a party at the RCP, RCP, and that's when we get your email address, and then you'll be on the list from then on out. That's the only way. You'll get the address afterwards. They're crazy parties, 1,600, 700, 800 people going nuts. Yeah. If you're a cute girl and you're listening and you see that I'm successful and on my way up, <laughs> holler at me on a DM. It's really something to witness, though, and it's if you haven't been to a party like that, it's very interesting. So anyways, Snapchat, now, Snapchat your tits and your ass to Adam, Go, Adam Goes Ham OMG. <laughs> All right, now we really got to get out of here. So thank you guys. Follow me on Twitter at It's Intuition. Follow my man on the boards, Database, making it sound buttery, at I Am Database. Hey, tell them where we're at, though. Where, uh, oh, we're at the Cosmic Zoo studio. You know, I interned for Daddy Kevin 2006, Alpha Pup. Swag, let's go. <laughs> he did. Shouts he out did. to Romo. Uh, yeah, big shouts to Daddy Kevin, No Can Do for Cosmic Zoo yeah, Studios. Daddy Kevin is one of my biggest inspirations, by the way. Him and Sean Carlson from Fuck Yeah Fest. Yeah, I would absolutely say that you took a lot of inspiration They're from what my, he did with Low in Theory. I still ask Kev for advice and he still answers. Exactly. Uh, so, yeah, follow us on Twitter at That's Kinda Neat. Check out the YouTube, youtube.com slash That's Kinda Neat. And now, for real, we are finally out of here. Thank you guys for tuning in. Adam, Thank you for coming in. Thank you. My name is Intuition, and this was kind of neat. This is Adam Weiss. Peace. <laughs> Adam Weiss, Ham, Ham, everything. <laughs> Thank you, Base Guy.